tonight's uh we're very excited to do this episode of the bs podcast and the ringer hose me off <laughs> podcast network brought to you by the zone they're changing the way you watch baseball with change up a brand new live whip around show across the league presented by the mob and the zone on every night of the week available on nearly any device smart tvs tablet mobile gaming consoles whatever you want getting set up with the zone is easy Download the DAZN app in the Apple or Android app store. Sign up by creating an account. Start watching across any of your devices. Go to DAZN.com to sign up. We're also brought to you by JCPenney. Raise your game with MSX by Michael Strahan. Athletic-inspired functional pieces designed for guys who are always on the go. Available exclusively at JCPenney from working out, playing golf, or just relaxing. MSX by Michael Strahan has you covered. MSX includes MSX basics, pants, shorts, sweatshirts. Can't speak. I'm so excited to do this pod. Outerwear, big and tall, and boys sizes too. Boys MSX. sizes too. I was going to say if you size, get that huge, in. Yeah, huge. that's for the big kids for, out yeah. there. MSX by Michael Strahan, available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network and the world's greatest website, theringer.com. You can find Dual Threat with Ryan Rossillo on the Ringer Podcast Network. Let's start the pod. I'm ready to go. Pearl Jam, come on. Man, you can feel the excitement. It is like 8:45 West Coast time. An incredible roller coaster ride of the game. I'm going to I'm going to hold the Durant thing for a second. That's a whole segment. Let's just start with the the Raptors almost won the title. They were up 6 with less than 3 minutes left. More of a Warriors win or more of a Raptors choke? <laughs> Where are you going? Uh, 55-45 Warriors I win, I never, 45 I never, why Raptors choke job? Why don't you, I, I just, we do that too much. So why don't you, can you answer that? <laughs> no, I, th- I thought it was a Warriors win. I thought they responded with three straight threes from the greatest shooting backcourt of all time with their backs to the wall, down six, crowd going nuts, momentum, uh, KD out, the whole thing. And it just seemed like Kawhi had broken them. And then boom, they come back with some threes and Toronto was like, oh shit, we actually have to win this game. They're doing the Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky the putting the hand on the rope, congratulating themselves, turning around, Rocky's getting up. And it looked like they just couldn't get their shit together. They did not make one play in the final three minutes to win that game. And had Cousins as the double agent with a, with a goaltending on one basket, a goaltending in the other basket, and the first ever moving screen in a gigantic game with under 20 seconds left that I've ever seen in my entire life. I cannot believe they call that moving screen ever. on Cousins. I mean, you know, and you can sit here and, and get into the hole. They just don't call it. They don't call it. And like for the announcers to be like, oh yeah, he moved. You're like, well, yeah, but that's never, ever called. Look at what Gasol is doing to Draymond Green on the in last the play. upper right corner when Lowry clanks that one to the backboard. He's Gasol holding him from behind. He's not only is a moving screen, when Draymond gets to the corner, he pulls on Draymond, pulls him back. And I'm not complaining about that. I just can't believe they made that call on Cousins. The most remarkable thing of all the things that happened in this game, and I'm, I'm white hot on fire right now, we had to open all the doors in I, the guest house so because I didn't know. It was, it, we, it was, we were going to It's just be such a weird. It's such there's so many things that just happened, okay? But when Kawhi went on that 12-point execution where yeah. it's like this is over, 
This is why people compare me to Jordan, which again, it's not the resume. It's it's the ability to just do it and do it in such an efficient way. Some of the quiet numbers from this final series and these playoff runs and his winning percentage of all time in the playoffs better than everybody else. Like he is doing special things that make him arguably the best player in the world. And all those things are accurate. Like none of this is hyperbole. The 12 point run was his reserve the place in the pantheon for me right now, please. Absolutely. Table, table right. for one. Like we're sitting there and you're going, this is over. The Raptors are closing this thing out. We have a bunch of different angles, but this thing is over. He is doing this right in front of us. And then, and now there's some debate, but it's 103.97, three minutes to go in the game, and the Raptors call a timeout. The Raptors oh, call a timeout. that was weird. I forgot so about that. It, it was inexplicable. And I'm I'm usually like, I think things happen, and then depending on the results, we play the results, we go, oh, bad timeout, good timeout, shouldn't have done this, great play, bad sub, good sub. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing there. There's no zag <laughs> where you could go, oh, I get it. That place is ready to explode for a crowd that was dead most of the second half. You know, like, hey, guys, you know you're about to win a title. Because well, they're getting to be- roasted online. Well, for- actually, we'll, we'll get to the that The world later. turned against Toronto yeah. tonight. That's yeah, a different topic tough. that we'll get to. That timeout, I, it, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense because the Warriors, the whole thing for the Warriors, as you point out, trying to figure out to, how to keep Cousins on the floor <laughs> because of his rebounding. Yeah, when and, and screening. It was, it was basically a five-minute stretch where they got him into switches, and Jackson is killing the Warriors for these switches. Look, they're going to switch. Looney now is out for the series. They couldn't play Bogut. Jordan Bell came in for a stretch for Cousins. He lost Ibaka on a huge offensive rebound. He just by not paying attention. So they went back to Cousins, and somehow, somehow, and this is not... The toughest team in sports mentally are the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and that's, I know the Durant thing is the big story and it's going to dominate tomorrow. It cannot be lost. I'm too this hyped. Is, this is a great, great, great true champion. That back to the wall was like, fuck it, we're not going down yet. Three, So it's 103.97. It's over at 103.97. Iggy misses a little pull up. They're down four. Kawhi comes down, makes a pull up. As you said, he'd scored 12 straight. Curry comes down, misses a three but. with 3.15 left. Toronto rebound. Toronto comes down. Inexplicable timeout. Now, my, my guess is somebody on Toronto must have motioned to the bench or he must have thought Kawhi was tired. Or I, By I the don't time even this know comes what. out, I, you know, just to cover our bases here, there were some people saying Lowry actually went to call it. Oh, really? So I don't know. I, well, I, who knows? We don't have it in front somebody of us right Somebody shouldn't have called it because they had all the momentum. Comes back in. Kawhi airballs the 11-footer. Clay makes a big balls clay three and clay's uh I we've just never seen a shooting guard quite like him. We grew up with the Reggie Miller, you know, and Reggie Miller basically he was in one finals in 2000. They lost in six games. Clay has done this on the biggest stages back to the wall against the best teams over and over again this entire decade. So he makes a three. Lowry missed a three. Cousins has that offensive goaltending, and we're like, oh shit. So the that Warriors was, are still that was down close, three. but it was the call, so it was going to stand. Two minutes right. left, and it looked like one of those things they lucked out. It was right after the two minute warning. Toronto then has the 24 second turnover, which is a disaster. Uh, Actually, and then, as you're doing this right now, how many disastrous plays both ways? Well, that's what I was end. saying. Yeah. Like, this was kind of a choke by Toronto. Yeah, Curry but, makes wait a, a minute, three. We Why any- is Curry open for a three? There's two guys on the floor that can make a shot, and it goes. Clay three, Curry three, Clay three. And now all of a sudden they're up three with 57 seconds left. Gasol misses a layup. Then Draymond has the terrible backcourt turnover. 
when they couldn't get the but ball over. But that still was kind of on Steph. And as much as it I love Steph, Steph, yeah, he was slapping. As much this as, game. like Steph has way too many of these freaking moments. I call him the smartest dumb team I've ever seen. They have some of these absolutely ridiculous, careless moments in the biggest spots, whether it's the behind the back pass in 16 in game seven, whether it's look, when they won game two, Steph kind of traveled and then almost threw the ball away when he passed it to Livingston. Steph, you know, those are the times where being smaller than the other guys hurt Steph because you can just run dudes at him and he he panics a little bit. So even though Draymond went backcourt, which is inexplicable, you can't, they got the rebound. Well, it looks and like they, he thought he got fouled and I thought then he they got didn't fouled. call the foul. Then, then on the replay, I really don't think he got fouled. I think Draymond just kind of got his foot caught up in the line, but that well, play, and then Curry's not the greatest ball handler there. I mean, he's a guard. Really? I don't feel like he's, oh, I think no, he I'm has saying an like, insane a, handle. I'm saying like when bringing the ball up with pressure, I think he's sloppier than it's like Tony that's, Archibald 40 years fair, ago. Right? You know what I mean? That's fair. But that that possession in the backcourt started screwed up off of the defensive rebound. And Kerr had a timeout left, didn't use it. Didn't use it. And, you know, to have <laughs> to have a backcourt there and then a moving screen. Well, so then Toronto goes two for one. Yep. Because Lowry, Lowry gets Cousins on him. Cousins yep. gets torched on that. And Again. then on the other end, Cousins sets the moving screen. Cousins is a mole for Toronto the last three <laughs> minutes of this game. And Toronto gets the ball back. Was that the Mark Cuban show? <laughs> it might have been. The mole. Uh, Toronto gets the ball back. 15 seconds left. No timeout. They end up with Lowry in the corner with Marc Gasol holding, holding Draymond from behind like it's the Eli Manning helmet catch play where all the defensive linemen on the pats are just getting held. And Lowry's still... I couldn't tell if Draymond Not looked bitter. like he might have touched it. Or he just hit the side of the backboard with it. Yeah. Speed I mean, rushed it. I blacked out. Loses. I honestly blacked out for about 30 Would seconds. Would you call timeout there? For the Raptors? Yeah. Well, at that point, I think the possession started with like 13, 15. But you're just watching going, wait a minute, Golden State just did all these things and now they're going to lose again. Like I was convinced it was going to be because they were small in that spot that it was going to end up being an offensive rebound, Kawhi tip back, MVP, you know, all timer, put him in the Hall of Fame. It's already going to happen anyway. A so that, their last two possessions are backcourt violation. Moving screen on Cousins, and they win the game anyway on the road. That is one of the weirdest. That game will be on TV for the next 50 years. We'll be seeing it on NBA TV. It'll be remembered as the KD got hurt game, but it should also be remembered as the Raptors coming about as close as you can come to winning the title. I still feel like the Spurs in Miami 2013 is the closest we'll ever see. Up six at home. And, Golden and the State other team's best player dead. really hurt his leg yeah. and looks just wiped out and can't find five guys to play. It's like, oh, we might go offense, defense with Cook and Iguodala. I mean, it was like they're grasping for straws. The guys were like, hey, Jarebko, don't get loose. <laughs> Jarebko's looking at Steve Kerr for the signal. But Bogut played two minutes. McKinney, who they've gone to, they've even like I was OK. And I know there's a bunch of other things we're going to cover here, but I was at. Oracle for game four. Yeah. You know, and McKinney actually got hooked up with uh, with Kawhi defensively. And now he's at the point where he's abandoned. So, uh, you know, there's there's the rest of the series to talk about. But I, I really think at this point we have to do the start and what this felt like. Right. I don't I know. No, I don't, no, let's save it. I want, what, no, let's do the game and we'll do we'll do Durant's second segment because in the bees. Yeah, because. Yeah, I, I mean, shouldn't do that. I shouldn't produce your podcast. No, no, I no. I, I, I want to get to Durant. I just feel like. We got to appreciate the craziness of that game first, including Cousins, who's benched, right? Benched in this game. He is. They show him about two minutes before Durant's hurt on the bench with that look on his face like, I'm going to fucking kill my agent. He told me this was a good idea. 
I'm going to get a DNP in a must-win game in Toronto, and I might not play the rest of the series. This sucks. Advice to Cousins this offseason, just go find a team that stinks and put up huge numbers. That's how you're going to recapture <laughs> well, your money, okay? Not not a ring getting benched and then them having to go to you. And then he came in, Bill, and he had seven points in like, you know, not he had nine seconds. points. He scored nine straight points. It, he went nuts. So he finished, he played 20 minutes, 14.6 rebounds. He had a block and a steal. He had two goaltendings and a move and what almost was the most famous moving screen of all time. I can't believe, I still can't believe they called, like that makes me think I'm not a fixed guy. I'm not as much of a conspiracy. I'm not conspiracy bill. I'm anti-conspiracy ride. Don't worry. You know, like I I walked out of jail. Can I be pro conspiracy bill? But just, I just want to present this. That's the kind of shit where you go, how are you a ref looking to call a moving screen in that spot? That's weird. It's never been called. I know there was a Celtics playoff game once where it was, I think there was one called on Garnett and it was the same kind of reaction. Be like, on an inbound? Now? Yeah. There's like, there's like, that's the reaction. Like, now? At this point in the game? You can call those anytime you want. The it's, last minute, it's kind of understood. It's a little bit of a free-for-all, unless you're going to jump over somebody's back on a rebound or stuff like that. I, I remember- So go ahead. Conspiracy bill. It, you look, you, you do look, you want me to bring him in? Because- You look dangerous right now. <laughs> I mean, maybe the league not that interested in a game six with the KD thing and the, the storyline of the two days. and So extra revenue and, and all the payback. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I, there's actually no. I just thought I it was, that call was inexplicable. The worst call, which we haven't talked about yet, five minutes left. Raptors threatening to come back. Kawhi gets the ball on the break. The most obvious travel call of the entire playoffs. And they don't call it. And everybody stops because it's such a travel. Dunk, timeout, Toronto's down two all of a sudden, five minutes left. Yeah, the That's Norman, when I started Norman feeling, Powell. oh, they're not going to, they're not going to come back from that. I had tw- 10 moments of this game where I'm like, ah, oh, they're not going to come back from that. And they came back each time. Heart of a champ. Incredible. One of the great wins. Half a ring? <laughs> <laughs> this is my LeBron. Like, I think he should get half a ring for 07. Well, you know, you go through the course of history. Like, let's say they end up winning the title. Who? The Warriors. Let's say they win the okay. title now. They come back. Yeah. They win game six. Not sure I'm ready to go there yet. But I like they need this. two I more like wins. I like where you're going. It's one of the legendary back to the walls pull a series out of our ass wins we've seen. With the Ray Allen shot being a 10 out of 10, that was like a nine and a half. KD goes down. Not only goes down, but looks like he blew out his Achilles. Grabs his leg, grabs the bottom of his foot. The stars go back in the locker room with him. They know it's bad. They got no guns, no bullets in the holster left other than Clay and Steph basically have to make 12 to 14 threes between them. And they still win. It's pretty great. Basketball. Shout out to basketball. Yeah, shout out. You were crestfallen though. I was in a real funk. So can we go to the beginning of the game? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, okay, what, I think that's kind of what we're doing. Hold on, we'll, do, we'll take a quick break and then All we'll right. do it. Uh, quick break to talk about Big Little Live. That is our Twitter post-game show for Big Little Lies. HBO, every Sunday night. Mina Kimes, Amanda Dobbins, they're with you. You can watch it on the at Ringer Twitter feed or hashtag Big Little Live. Check it out. And we're also doing, uh, on the Ringer Dish, the new podcast feed that we have. 
you can listen to uh, the Big Little Lies social media breakdown of the core five, the five big characters. But we really like Big Little Lies. We're blown out a bunch of different ways. So check it out on The Ringer. All right. All right. So first 15 minutes is the best basketball of a pretty crummy series. Let's be honest. Not a great series so far. How do you remember this series? I've been by it, though. I've been entertained. Like, I, I know it's not... The Kawhi stuff is awesome to watch Toronto and just to see it all work and have them be on this role. And part of this is, you know, again, seeing it in person where you go, you know, when they play, no matter who they play, everybody can get a bucket in a different way. You know, Kawhi in person, he's a different kind of special elite athlete. It's not the high flying Stromile Swift, Tyrus Thomas stuff that I used to love. It's the I can dribble really hard to a spot and get up before you can even adjust to what I'm doing. I can. Use and I'm my physical. shoulders, right? I can You're use my shoulders. Bounce. I can ward you off a little bit. It's kind of like not a stiff arm to your face, but it's like a stiff arm to your waist. And I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do with Kawhi when he does that. Um, the only thing you really do is tell yourself to stand your feet on that first up fake whenever he's in the paint because he does it every time. But everybody still goes for it. Like so, you're helpless against him. But Ibaka around the rim has been great. Gasol was insane tonight. I don't love Lowry. He was bad tonight, but he can make shots. Van Vliet has made three after three. Norman Powell can drive to the hoop. Siakam can create. Danny Green had a crazy game. Like there's all of these guys. At any point when Toronto has five guys out there, all five guys have to be respected. It's the so 2014 Spurs blueprint. Everybody's a threat. It's very hard to find seven to eight guys to do that in basketball with a 30-team league. Imagine being just a to GM. find seven yeah. playmakers is just fucking hard. Yeah, imagine being a GM being like, we want to have like our first seven, eight guys all be able to make a shot. All have to be guarded. Be Create like, oh, a shot. Yeah, yeah, good luck. And it happened. And it, you know, this is why this team has been able to do what they're doing. But you met you mentioned the Kawhi thing though, about how strong he is. Yeah. It reminds me of when I play basketball House. right out there with my kids <laughs> no and, and you can do the thing when you're playing smaller kids where they can try to steal the ball and you can just hold them off with your arm and they just bounce off your arm because they're half your size he's doing that in the nba with guys who are his size where they're they're barreling into him and he just puts his arm out and it's like it's like this fucking force field around his body i've never seen anything like it and it's like people have talked zach did a good job of talking about this the other day about efron zach low oh low Low post. Got it. Um, uh, people just bounce off Kawhi and they're always the one that goes down and it's never Kawhi who's down. So it was the other guys rolling around and Kawhi's just kind of standing looking at him. He had a play in game, I think it's two, where he went to the hoop against Bogut and Draymond. It was an and one where he like flipped it up and it sat on the front of the rim and then went in. And both Bogut and Draymond ended up on the floor and Kawhi like went to go to the free throw line and then turned and looked where every other player would have looked at them to kind of be like, you ain't shit. Kawhi had actual astonishment. Like, oh, we all collided and you guys are on the ground. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. So that was he, cool, guys. Like, it was almost like he was ready to apologize. Like, oh, you guys are down there. So all of this has been um, been awesome at the beginning of it. But the beginning of this game, the KD part of it, Steph doesn't miss. Clay doesn't miss. KD hits threes, three threes in a row. He doesn't miss. He's actually moving off the ball. And you're starting to just, you're allowing yourself to think, wait a minute, like what can happen in this series now? Well, let's talk about, I think that was the first really well-played quarter of the entire series. 34 to 28, Golden State. They shoot 11 for 19, 7 for 10 from three. Toronto's 56.3%. They weren't as good from three, but it was just a really entertaining, well-played. And the Durant variable and him guarding Kawhi 
and we go into it and we're thinking, all right, Durant's going to space the floor. They'll switch on D so we won't really have to guard anybody. They're not going to push, push them too much. Made a couple threes. I was like, oh, okay. Then they made, made everything. They made everything. And you're going, how are they not blowing out Toronto? But they weren't ISOing him or doing any no. KD stuff. And when he got hurt, it was the first time they took the teetering car that was on the highway that's going to 80. And it's like, hey, what happens if you try to go 100 of this thing? I don't know. Try it. And he gets hurt. I think if they had stuck to the Harrison Barnes 2016 philosophy of just use KD to space the floor and set some picks. Don't don't push him. I, I don't know. I, I He clearly wasn't healthy. Okay, he was seventy five percent, eighty percent. Last and week, last week when we did this, I said I've heard that he's going to be back for Game Five. So that's you know, what they're hoping, right? So that's what ends up happening. He plays like five and a half minutes. They take him out. Like, all right, that's smart. They brought him back almost two. They and brought a half, him back three with minutes three later. minutes left, yeah. and then kept him in. And they said no time limit. Like, why not a time limit? So that do you was weird. actually think it was avoidable though? Because I don't believe that stuff. Like, if he was going to get hurt, I don't know that there was a way to baby hit baby. Th- him through 20 minutes and first six minutes and then back six couldn't minutes they have been more quarter. cautious with them in the first half though at least feel him out get get some rhythm don't ask too much for him don't have things where he's like trying to take a back off the dribble shit like that i was but, surprised they were unleashed yeah, him like but that. that's not fair man that's not because when you're a basketball player especially when you're that good you you don't go like oh let me just make sure i just don't attack anybody that just wasn't yeah, going to happen. Two There's days no way. Ago, two days ago, he couldn't play. And now he, they're just throwing him in like the last four weeks didn't happen. I, I thought that was a mistake. I so th- you it felt weird in the just, moment. So watching it happen when he made the first three threes, you weren't sitting there going, this is awesome. But they were just three-pointers where it wasn't like crazy taxing, like him trying to do stuff. I think what happens is they get in the flow of the game. You feel good. You get adrenaline going. Of course. You stop thinking about stuff. But isn't that the danger when you have an injury like that? Like, I just kind of don't, don't want that to happen if I'm the Warriors. I don't want him to get super comfortable out there so that he's thinking like, oh, man, I'm feeling it. Because obviously he wasn't 100% because he wasn't even 50% three days ago. That's, they would have played that's him. All, like, I agree with that, but I, I think this is the part where I'd be like, okay, so what did you want them to do? He wanted to play, obviously. If the team cleared him, did someone screw up there? Because once you're out there, you can't you can't expect a guy, especially who's still like age prime, to go. All right, I'm just going to be like a spot up shooter, and I'm never because you're just it doesn't matter. I Would mean, you any, played him the first twelve of the first fourteen and a half minutes of the game? That seems crazy. I don't know if he's ready. Like, to I thought he's going to play twenty five minutes. But I don't, I don't think know. I don't I think there like was it. a minute. I don't think there was some minute for like if it was that hurt. Like if this is his Achilles, because that's what it looked like, and we'll know by the time this thing comes out probably more about it. Because it looked like something absolutely ruptured and the muscle rippled. Yeah, it looked and, higher though. And, 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 and I just don't understand the Achilles. Right. But the two things that we've seen, which has always been weird about this injury, when in the first time it happened against Houston, he went down and pinched at his Achilles. Right. Never on the calf. Well, do you think they've been honest this whole time about what the injury was? People I've talked to, no one's done. And listen, I mean, do you think they would just lie to everybody? Do you think Bob Myers would lie to Woj about it being a calf when it's an Achilles? I don't know. I don't think he would. The only thing that made me suspicious was when they showed that clip after one of the games and he was greeting his teammates and the ice pack was super low on his foot. Just seemed, I don't know if you know this, but I have a calf. I have two, actually. 
you on my body, them. they're a little you higher. You let those beasts out. Let they're them just breathe. A little, they're a little higher, my yeah. calves. I, I can't speak for his calves, but where that ice pack was seemed like where my Achilles are on my body. I don't know about your body. Mine's no, lower mine toward my too. foot. But And then again tonight, that same thing. What, what did he grab when he went down, when he fell down? So he touched. He touched the Achilles again. Touched so. the Achilles. Then he touched high. And then he went back to the Achilles. And then he did like that weird uh, move the foot up and down thing, which is usually a bad sign for the Achilles. But people thought he hurt his Achilles the last time. Right. So Oakland there, CSI. We, what do we make of this whole thing about there's this narrative the last couple of days. It was like people wanted to write. It was like people were insinuating there was more to this, but nobody wanted to say what it was. And it was a lot of the Warriors are frustrated, but it was more they're frustrated. He wasn't healthier. Yeah, but who were they frustrated? Were they, they think he was dogging it? Did he think? I, it was yeah. unclear. Nobody was ever was willing to come out. Right. But there was a vagueness to it. I remember reading online about somebody was saying how, look at how Clay and Curry's the quotes they gave after the game about, well, when you're a champion, you've got to be out there. And it's like, what did that mean? Was there something to read between the lines? There's a little bit of that online about where the Warriors sending smoke signals. Like, where are you, dude? Everybody else is playing hurt. That, that was a thing. And I didn't think it was fair because I think everybody's different, especially like when you're talking about knees and lower legs and feet. The, if you look through the history of the NBA, you look at like Bill Walton in 1978, saying like, there's something wrong with my foot. And the team doctor's like, no, no, you're fine. How about we'll give you a shot? We'll give you a shot in the foot. And they end up like he breaks his foot even worse. Or like Kevin McHale in 87. The history of guys ignoring the signs of their body and continuing to play, it's, it's really bad. It's led to a lot of bad things over the course of history. So obviously this is another example, whether he should have been playing or not. If he wants to come back and play and they're clearing him, that's fine. I have a hard time believing in 2019, especially with that organization, that they would want him out there knowing that like, he's actually the Achilles is partially torn. Because if the Achilles is partially torn, then there's no way he should be out there playing basketball. Okay. So I don't. Well, that, if, that, if that was true, there's no way he's out there. There's no way. There's no way. And honestly, if he had that kind of thing, it would, it's probably going to snap at some point anyway. And it just depends on who's, who's stuck with the bill. Which I think we. So need you're to talk going about. with this is the worst luck of all time. That no, I'm saying obviously you have two already, different coincidental no, no, no. injuries that aren't related. No, I'm saying it's really bad luck. Obviously, he was already hurt. But if he's the one that wants to go out there, and I think this actually shows tremendous character. I think Durant, for all the shit that guy takes, like he proved and should have proved to all the people that hate on him because they're mad that he went to Golden State. And I get why people are mad that he went to Golden State. But this dude went out there right in front of free agency, staring at max money. And said, you know what? I want to go out there and help these dudes. When, if you were as soft mentally as sometimes we suggest, because he does some weird stuff, but if you were really soft, he could have easily said, look, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to risk it. And if I come back and then we lose and everybody shits on me all over again, and I've got to worry about all this stuff, like that stuff that does bother him. And instead he's like, no, man, I'm just going to go back out there and play. And so if any of this stuff is real, that like there was animosity from other players, I think the frustration may have been more about like, dude, we thought he was going to be back. He's not back. He doesn't look good. That's I what I think too. Yeah, right. And then Steph... Like, let's just use this as further evidence that maybe it wasn't as contentious as people made it out to be. Steph was damn near crying yeah. in the post-game interview. His eyes were tearing up. They were welling up with Well, the just- first the first answer he gave to Doris, he was kind of started rambling. And then he's just like, I'm sorry, my mind's just all over the place right now. And it looked like he was going to start crying on TV and he caught himself. And then was he was just really emotional. And I think 
you know, these guys have been in the whirlwind now for what, six, six years, six five, years of this. five finals, but really six years where they've been, you know, in the fire and they've been in a lot of big games and it's a team that weirdly their home court advantage was what they were originally known for, right? The Baron Davis Warriors and Oakland and all that stuff. But all their most famous games, I think, have been on the road. You go through like the Cleveland games last year, the Cleveland game the year before, the OKC game in 2016, the Cleveland game in game four, the the game that eventually Draymond got the technical for. That was a fucking awesome win. It got lost because Draymond got goaded into punching LeBron in the balls right at the end of it. But that was a classic, like, we're the fucking champs game. And they've had a lot of those. And this was another one tonight. They had two two against Houston in two th- last year and this year, where it's just game people counting Houston. them out. Game six Houston for me will be an all-time. Last year or this year? Which one? Ah, this one especially. How about last year? They're down like 17 at halftime. <laughs> this team, the hey, that, character like, I'm they, not kidding. When, when I say they're the toughest mental team in all the four major sports, feel free to offer up other suggestions. Like the Patriots right. have gone through some stuff. But it's an easier Kyle, path. Kyle's now taking this personally. No, no, there's an easier path to it. Kyle's like, what's up now? No, but, you know, going back to Memphis when it was still new, and we have a hard time, you know, when, when people ask me, like, did you see this coming with Toronto? And I'm like, I feel like I've been as pro-Toronto as anybody nationally, but at the same time, it's really hard to accept something as great before it actually happens. Like, we're really good after the fact of being like, you know who's great is Toronto? And going into next year, if it were the same cast, it'd be like, Toronto's a great team. Yeah, it, It's impossible, almost impossible in sports to be calling something great before it's actually reached that level. And so for me, looking at Golden State, and yeah, I feel a little bit like they were the band I liked before all my friends did. Yeah. Like if you're sitting there listening to Rift, I'm like, dude, you even game hinge, you know, you don't even get right. it. So I think with, with this Warriors team, it's always funny because they're, you know, they're a finesse or they're, they're this, they're an outside shooting team. They've always been one of the best defensive teams in the league through this whole run, except for this year in the regular season. They've shown you so many times, all the things you just said tonight, Houston game six this year, Houston game six last year. Um, two, Cle- two Cleveland game, the game three in 2017 in Cleveland, and then game four last year, or the game three, the two game threes. Yeah, in I guess Cleveland, the, two the in Cleveland a row. Ones, but those the, are really hard to win. Those game threes when the refs are going to be stacked against yeah. you. You have a first home game for the finals. But crowd. even back to like Memphis being up two one, and all the 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 old NBA dudes being like, ah, you got you know you guys thought this was pretty. You guys thought this was cute. Like, you just have to rough them up. Right. And then it was like... Jump shooters just can't win. One little click, and then they ran them out of there. And so I just... I appreciate them in a way that's very odd for me because I never, like, grew up rooting for them. I like Bob Myers a lot. You know, I like Travis, who's there. I think Larry Harris is a really good front office guy. I, we all realize how good of a coach Kerr is. And I'm doing some of this stuff too often and kind of, like, sticking up for him. But I just... This is why... I appreciate them because I don't think I don't think there's any other teams except for maybe like who would have gotten this win tonight? Who else would have gotten this win tonight missing arguably their best player who's you know one of the two or three best players in the world, Clay who had to miss a game, Cousins who's useless, no offense. Uh Looney who who's now done for the like this is ridiculous. And I know Clay and Steph are really good. I just think every other team loses tonight. I think any other really good team of the last five or six years loses this game in Toronto. And also a team that relies on jump shots like this. And I can't prove it, by the way, but whatever. But a team that really ultimately is relying on on three-pointers and two of the greatest shooters of all time coming off screens 
during the moments where you need a basket. There's never been a team that over and over again has been able to deliver that versus like, you know, LeBron puts his head down, goes to the basket. Kawhi's trying to get 10 feet away and do one of his runners. Shaq, they go to him in the low post. Like, it's just been threes over and over again when they need it most. Let's, By let's the way, take a quick break because there's some... I want to get that one thing in though because what you just said is really important because there's so many times you see Steph be able to go around everybody yeah, and they're like, just drive, just drive, just drive. And then he went to drive on one of those late possessions to try to finish on the left side of the rim. Shit got like, dudes were ready to... It was like he set it for him and two different guys spiked it. And you're like, that's one of the disadvantages Steph has over all the other guys you named because even if he can get around everybody, it's still going to be a problem for him at the rim. Let's take a break because uh, there's been some stuff that came in the press conference, and I think we should take a two-minute break and just read through Twitter. It's 9.15 now, West Coast time. Coming back one second. All right, we're taking a break to talk about Zip Recruiter. Finding a new job. A lot of work. This was my entire 2015. Had to find a new job. Ended up stumbling my way into HBO and The Ringer. That was awesome. Well, not everyone can stumble into something that's awesome. What if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job now? ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Download the ZipRecruiter job search app. Let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in and its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you'll like. Put your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. And if an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. My listeners should download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today. Let the power of technology work for you. Don't wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. Check it out. ZipRecruiter, the job search app. Check it out today. All right. We are back now. It is 917 Pacific time. So looks like KD has an Achilles injury. Bob Myers says Achilles injury, MRI tomorrow, apparently holding back tears as he was talking. Um, he said, quote, the people that question whether you want to get back and play were wrong. He's one of the most misunderstood people. He's a good teammate and I'm lucky to know him. Steve Kerr said, was asked if he had any regrets about bringing Kevin Durant back in the series. He said, I'm going to leave that to Bob. I don't know what that means. Um, I guess he, oh, so Kerr made it clear. Bob's going to be talking about KD. So forget that. Scratch that. Wait a minute. Um, we were, we were like, there was a, there was <laughs> reading that just cold. You're like, wow. Yes. <laughs> that seemed bad. Uh, but yeah, so I guess he, he just put Bob Myers in charge of talking about KD. So fuck man, KD, if he popped his Achilles coming back in this finals game, that's unbelievable. I'm, I, I gotta say I'm speechless. I'm, I'm, I literally don't know what to say. There's going to be some really nasty anti-warrior stuff because it's turned into, you know, did they make him go out there? I mean, to me, if Durant wants to go out there, he wants There's, to go out there. But then they didn't it's like, make that dude do anything. That he's a grown man right, and, a, and right. a really confident, strong, awesome did, teammate but, who wanted to play. But did he go out there? Was he motivated? Like all the different radio topics you can do. And I always kind of like label stuff radio topics because sometimes I'm like, I don't really even believe this, but would it be a radio topic to go? Would Durant not play because he knows they're helpless down 3-1 and there's nothing he can do? But then he comes back and plays and like, did he play because he wanted to show all the haters? And it's like, maybe the guy just wanted to fucking play because that's what he does. Yeah. And now to have this happen in front of free agency, I think it actually, not that, I still think like the Knicks would give him the four years and say, hey man, we'll figure it out. 
this is this is out there, but do you think this changes what could happen with the Warriors? Where the Warriors could say, "We will give you whatever you want right now, and we believe in you." And you know, if if the landscape doesn't go your way, like say you know, just doing random, like Jimmy Butler stays in Philly, AD gets traded to the Lakers, um, Kawhi stays in Toronto, but or he goes to the Clippers, Kyrie goes to the Nets, and then Durant doesn't want to go there. And the Knicks are only the Knicks without anything else there. Could the Warriors pitch him on, you're hurt, we're going to take care of you financially, stay here for another year, maybe two, and if, if this isn't going to work, like, you know, you don't immediately go to a new situation hurt wondering what the rest of your roster is going to look like. I'm up I, to believe anything at this point. Yeah, I got to say, I'm not, I'm not ready to think about the next team yet because you think, like, this is one of the 15 best players ever. He's... I think 30 now. He's going to be 31 next season. He's got 12 seasons on the odometer at this point and a lot of playoff games. And this is a really serious injury. I, I've never been fully satisfied with how anyone's come back from this. Even Cousins this year, he didn't look the right He didn't look right to me. I don't feel like Rudy Gay's ever been the same. Kobe wasn't the same. Who, Kobe was a lot Dominic older. Dominic Wilkins wasn't the same. Like who, who has come back and looked awesome from this injury? Like I, I feel like regardless of what team he's on next year, it's going to be almost a year before he plays. So now we're, we don't even get, even if he switches teams, we don't get the sensation of, you know, him on a new team doing his thing. On top of that, we have no idea if he's going to even be 80% as good as he was. And it's just incredibly unfair that this happens during the fucking finals of all time. This has to be the worst injury that's happened during the finals that I can remember. You have to go back to like Willis Reed 50 years ago where whatever he did to his thigh, like that he was fucked up for like six months from that. But I don't, I don't remember like an injury this bad during a finals, during a must-win finals game. What about Kareem when Magic played center game six? What was that, his ankle? But he just yeah, couldn't play. Yeah, sprained ankle. Yeah. But he just couldn't play. This so is like a potential his... career-threatening yeah, yeah, injury, right? Is, uh, I'm just trying to think of other big injuries. You're right. I mean that. I mean, do I? Do you feel like I was cold and already projecting all these different no, things? Because I could. I'm not. I'm not being adversarial. I'm just. My mind is just like, holy shit! Like that might be it for the KD run. Like he might be moving to a different phase of his career now. You know, and, and just so unfair that he obviously was still hurt when he came back and tried to fight through it. And this is, we live in this society where everybody's like, you got to fight through stuff, man. You got you to be out there for your teammates. And like, this is kind of why you have to be a little more careful sometimes. I don't know. I have no idea how hurt he was. They were very, they were very quiet about what the injury was. And I know we're going to be talking about this now for the next, how many months? Well, Did the Warriors the next, rush him back? Yeah, Whose fault was this? This is what the next couple months are going to be well, like. Can, tomorrow's going to be a full-on you know, by the time this comes out, everybody's listening on the East Coast. It will be a full-on assault in some circles on the Warriors. It's just going to be nasty, and I don't think that's fair. But look, if Katie, if Katie didn't want to play, he wouldn't have played. So I, I don't feel like there's any blame to really be going around. I'm just you, telling you what's going to happen. No, I know, I know. Right. I think it's unfair though because I think pre-show when you're, meeting. Hey, I'm going to shit on the Warriors. Okay, cool. I'll take the other side. <laughs> Great. I'll take the other side. Let's <laughs> go. I think when you're this close to a title, we've seen people play through. Just about everything. And he obviously, you saw in the pregame warmups, like he could run around. He could You jump. loved him in the pregame warmups. He had like an alley oop, but it was open. I wouldn't have played him. I'll say this playing him 12 of the first 14 and a half minutes was not a great idea. I don't think. 
I see your point. Ease I just in. don't know. I don't Ease know if in. there was a different minute pattern that was all of a sudden going to prevent an injury that obviously was very tenuous. Why not just put him on twenty a twenty four minute limit for the game? What are you, he's going to play forty minutes? He's played in a month because none of those guys missed a three and they were still only up like six. And I think they were scared. I think they're down three one and going. We're hitting everything and yet they're still in this game. And some of that was free throws early. This uh, they, the Warriors do a really bad job in allowing second chance opportunities for Toronto. So. You know, and I think they were thrilled because they didn't start with him on Kawhi defensively, but I think they were thrilled just to have another big body out there because he's going up against Siakam and Siakam was trying to finish against him and that didn't happen. So Now you're bummed out again. Now I feel like your energy's gone. My energy was really weird because in the beginning it was so much fun and I was like, wow, is this really going to happen? And then We you were start so jacked you, for this yeah. game. Like it was about I as came fire to your house. I brought ice cream. You yeah, it was great. Here. I was like, I almost had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, man. And I, well, that, I <laughs> here's another KD subplot that I think's an unfortunate uh, outcome of this. He he was this guy who got shit on basically from the moment he decided to go to the Warriors and could never win and was a lightning rod for the next three years. And now he has turned into this sympathetic figure that um you know, in this kind of player empowerment, thinking about the player versus the organization kind of climate we're in now. He is now one of the most sympathetic figures we have. This guy who tried to gut it out and now he jeopardized this giant free agent contract. And now it's like KD is is the victim and the underdog again. It's just bizarre. Right. And it's a be, bizarre outcome to this. It'll be, you know, so one of the things I said uh, probably, I don't know, a month or so ago with the AD trade, I said, I think the AD market will be different because other teams will go, look what Oklahoma City was able to do with Paul George. Look what happened with Toronto here, even if he doesn't stay. It's going to take teams, it's going to make teams and ownership, especially look at things differently going, all right, who cares? We'll give up the assets. Let's take a swing at this thing. I think this KD injury will have a lasting impact on other guys that are kind of borderline healthy to go in big playoff games. And you're going well, to have Well, think guys, about all the shit Kawhi took last year when he didn't feel 100%, right? Yeah, I still think some of that was fair, to be honest with you. As much as I love the player. Uh, you think he just was done with the team? When somebody told me that he was playing two-on-two -two with Matt Bonner, Duncan, and I think Sean Elliott while the team worked out on the other end on like another hook, another hoop, and, and Spurs people were pissed off about it, that was pretty much I all I needed to well. hear. Do you think this changes the whole concept of these guys betting on themselves with the one-on-ones? Because well, we've finally seen this backfire on somebody now. That's another great point. You're on fire tonight. Thank you. Because it's the same thing that I'm talking about. The influence the ability to be influenced how quickly things can change like it happens in business all the time they're like wait a minute we couldn't do that like why would we want temps oh wait a minute temps are great like they're not head counts and new blood and we don't worry about fight like you know what i'm saying like the things that'll happen that everybody thinks you shouldn't do and then a couple people do it and then everybody just decides to do it we're all sheep in a way but it's like how you did this trend where you you stayed at espn but also joined the ringer and you're red hot right now. Other guys, other ladies will try to try that model. I try. I'm and bouncing. it's going to go badly for somebody. I got a one. I'm bouncing on Thursdays. <laughs> so, you know, just get, just you played hurt a couple there. times. Right. Uh, yeah, but I no, do but think that one-on-one -on -one thing, mod, that one-on-one -on -one model is dangerous because of what we just saw. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, nobody gets hurt. And, you know, for the most part, most of these guys don't get hurt. Most, like, no one really gets debilitating injuries. And even the guys that are at the very top, like, if Paul George is going to get maxed after his leg cracks in a bunch of different places, like, guys are going to be okay. I still think Durant's probably going to get close to maxed out because there'll be a team that does the math saying, 
you know what? It's worth whatever we get on the back end, even if he's diminished. But I still think some of these Achilles comps you made, like Kobe was at the end, Cousins is bigger, Dominique's 30 years ago. He's a seven-foot may- dude, though. I, I, For some reason, I feel like with a tall guy, it just worries me more. But I, I think the one-on-one, the one-on-one thing, like it was just funny that all of a sudden no one cared about the extra years. Forget four years. Like, right. No one cared about five. No one cared about four. They're like, I'll just do like LeBron. I'll, I'll be in control. I'll do one year to one year to one year. And then everybody just started doing it because LeBron did it. And now you're like, wait a minute, is this actually the right thing to do if you're a player? So I think it's a really good point. And people were wondering if that was going to happen this year too. Like, would Kyrie do it potentially? Would Kawhi Kyrie do it? Kyrie wants to do a month to month. House and I talked about, we did the podcast yeah, month to month. We teased like, like he's leasing an apartment. Uh, House and I talked on Saturday. I was saying I thought it was becoming increasingly realistic that Kawhi was going to do the one-on-one. And House was like, with Toronto. Right. And House was like, That'd be crazy. Like, what if he gets hurt? He's risking like $100 million. And I was like, good point. Can't do that. But then not thinking that. Like, Durant's been doing this the last two years. Yeah, basically. but we've been conditioned to now think like this is the new norm because that's what it is. And that's why, you know, when Kyrie, like you go, wait a minute, why would that guy be doing anything short of the full year terms that he could get? Like, in a weird way, like in the old NBA, Kyrie would stay with Boston and still be miserable and take the five years because that's what you would do when you've had two massive knee injuries south of 30. Yeah. So why, like, put, you know, we've just accepted the new NBA reality and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of impact it has on some of these free agents. Cause I do think it'll change the way guys will play in playoffs. I can't believe we haven't gotten to it yet. What? Because as much as everybody who maybe was anti KD or on the fence about KD or just bummed out about it, oh, the Toronto fans, Toronto became the most unpopular city and fan base in a span of seconds when the first reaction to Katie going down was, that was brutal was cheering so let's examine this let's be fair like what did you we were sitting there going no we we noticed it immediately and we're upset immediately by it because bummed out they Too bummed they out were dudes. cheering ABC that the fall. part cheering they had a fast break but also cheering cuz he was down and then when he got up and he started limping they started cheering that or at least a decent Segment in the crowd, hard to say how many, but I would say at least maybe one third, one one fourth, one third, to the point that Clay immediately got mad and started like waving at them to fuck off. And one other warrior pointed, I think Jordan Bell, and then multiple Toronto guys were looking at their also own were fans. like waving yeah. at their fans, telling them to shut the fuck up. I've never seen that before. That's and I, we were saying watching the game like oof, and we we had this whole argument about karma, and I was like. I don't like the karma for Toronto there. That's like, that's never worked out for the crowd ever. It always like backfires. And you're like, I'm not a karma guy. I used to deal with that shit at ESPN. People talk about that. I don't believe in it. Who was right? We were like Jack and, and Locke and lost. <laughs> I was like arguing karma. You're like, I'm a realist. I think, I, who am I in that situation? Oh, you're definitely John Locke. I'm John Locke. You were, you were Jack. You're like, I don't believe in karma. Is Jack the good looking and then one? Tor- who lost? Toronto. Yeah, you were the good one. You're Jack. I nice. was the bald, creepy, crazy guy who believed in weird what shit. What happened to Jack? What's that guy been up to? He had a, he had a little run there. I, lost. He was We Are Marshall. Jack, uh, yeah, he had that. He had. Uh, he did a car wash at ESPN. That guy was red hot there for a minute. He he was meant to be on two TV shows. He was on Party 5 and Lost. That was good. It was a good wow. run. He, he outkicked his coverage. Can you live off of that? Yeah. Made a lot of money on Lost. He's fine. Okay. So anyway, you're anti-karma. I was pro-karma. I'm not anti-karma. I, right. I operate. I know when I look in the mirror, I know I'm good to people. I do. Um, I was a jerk when I was younger, 
but I wasn't like evil, you know? Um, there but, was this clip that was online <laughs> of me once um, when I, you know, I had those seats in the tunnel with my dad for the Celtic games and Michael Cooper is getting carried off because he hurt his leg. And I'm like 15, I'm wearing like a BLA shirt and I have a hat on. And as he's walking by, I kind of wave at him. And so somebody, I think some sports blog was like, look at young Simmons taunting Michael Cooper as he walked by. And I was like, I definitely wasn't taunting him. I was like a super awkward 15 year old who just saw him and like gave him like a wave. I I don't know. I've never been a big, oh, oh, oh good. Somebody got injured. I always so feel like, like if you're rooting for injuries, that's right. your psycho. So basically you were like, the make America great hat kid, but depending on the angle, you could you could spin it totally. in your way. But like, look at him taunting this guy. And you're like, I don't know, there's another angle that's kind of weird. Be like, what are those dudes over there doing? So yeah, that's not fair. Because you know what's going to happen is like, Toronto fans started freaking out. Because by the well, way, yeah. everybody turned on you. Yeah. It, it was unanimous. That yeah, that we all love Jurassic Twitter. Park. The, yeah, Drake taunting Draymond. Yeah, everybody turns. Sorry, that, Toronto. That website very rarely comes to some sort of consensus on Twitter.com. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was like, screw Toronto. Because <laughs> it was weird. And then even the announcers, like in a very weird, natural, great reactionary way, were like, whoa. Like, what's going on Yeah, there? Mike, Green, Mike Green made a point of coming back yeah, to it and he, talking again about it a second like, time. Nailed the moment. So you're watching that. And then, of course, like, this will be you and I. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever, Boston guys. Boston has a very weird appreciation for things that it doesn't get credit for. Like, if I can be in the stands at Fenway when it's the final, I don't know, maybe it was the third to last goodbye with Roger Clemens in a Yankee uniform. Yeah. And they can cheer him. Like, I don't think you understand. Like that. There's a sentimental part of Boston that I don't think people understand. So when it's the Blues Bruins, and after game five, the kid's giving the Blues player the finger and the way out, and it's like, oh, typical Boston. And by the way, for all the shit Boston takes- That's more typical Masshole. Right. The Blues have just as many white hockey players as the Bruins do. <laughs> and so- then in game six, what that means. in game six, there's like an even younger kid giving a guy the finger. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought like St. Louis, which is, I'll admit, St. Louis is a Midwest. nicer group of people. Oh, they're than, ornery as hell after two drinks. Bad. But I'm just they're, making stuff they're, up. No, no. The whole Midwest thing, they're, they're all Wait, they're can all I nicer. say something though? There were, I've been in a crowd one time where we actually rooted for the harm of a human being. Do you know what that was? I wrote about Wrestling? it Wrestling? No. It was when Parrish clocked Lambeer in game five, 1987. At the game before, he had cheap shotted Larry Bird and they had the whole fight. Right. And Parrish snapped on him. Everybody got to stay him. in the game, too, right? Yeah. Parrish snapped on him and one, two, beat the <sighs> shit out of him. And Lambeer went down and stayed down for like 20 seconds. And the crowd fucking loved it and cheered. And the refs were so scared. They just left everybody in. They didn't even call it technical. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, that guy killed that guy. He deserves to die. So I shouldn't say I'm blameless with the rooting, but. In this case, it's like the dude did nothing against Toronto. Yeah, and Durant didn't do something in game four. Lambert was possibly the Antichrist. I mean, that, he's a totally different situation. I don't have any evidence. I'm just saying, well, if, you know, the if evidence, there was an Antichrist, right. I, he's in the running, I think, for now. He nominees. almost admits to being him in the 30 yeah. for 30. So, yeah. do you know he's from Boston? Lambert, he's from like, wasn't he like from Belmont or one of those? Yeah, I think like, it was Belmont. Yeah. Lexington? Yeah. Yeah. That's, so anyway, I've been in crowds where you cheered, but not the Durant thing, that was uh that was unfortunate. It was nasty because it was immediate. Like that was the first response, is kind of the real one. Yeah. And it was like, you want this so bad. And I wonder how many other cities would have done it. Like, so not to turn this into total, like 
Toronto gave us the evidence that you did it tonight, and now we're left to theorize how other cities would handle this thing. But it's like, man, we want this championship so bad. Their best player goes down. Wow, this is going to be way easier. I'm excited, and here's the elation. But then there's clips of like guys waving at Durant being on the ground. And to see the players, I don't think I've ever seen the players turn to the crowd on both teams to be like, what are you guys doing right now? You know, I was thinking like, and they did cheer him, though, I would say, when they carried him out. And it was like a supportive thing. But it was already too late. This is where, like, a fan base needs a spokesman or... Like Ben Affleck? A head politician. No, like... like Remember it when can't you were mad about that? Yeah, I, I didn't like it when it he... Was one of the greatest lines. Well, he was... You were he like, was, who voted for him? Well, he was dating J-Lo. She was a Yankee fan. It's like, come on. But everybody's reconciled. You're friends with him again. It's, it's fine. He, I'm not, but, listen, you know... Listen, it's one of those things. He was dating the wrong person for a little while. Um, I think... Every fan should have like a spokesman. Who was that guy Trump had the first couple months oh. of his presidency? The guy who then tried to become like a yes, like Scarmucci a talk show. Or, yeah, he's yeah. like Anthony Scarmucci. Whatever. He followed like a million people on Twitter. He, he was Sean, like, no, Sean Spicer. Oh, Spicer was yeah. He was he was after, um, after the other guy that was there for like a day. Every fan base should have like a Sean Spicer who has a press conference tomorrow and be like, look. I've talked to all the Toronto fans. We have a lot of regrets about last night. We wish Kevin Durant nothing but the best. The competition got the best of us. That's not us. So as meaningless Don't as judge any us, like White House. Did you see Trump tweeted after the Durant injury? I now when, you wherever you go with this, I'm gonna believe it. No, because he was like, let's build another fucking wall. North. <laughs> <laughs> it's all cap, so it better be real. So if Toronto somehow loses this series, this is going to be one of the epic Heimlichs we've had in the NBA. Oh, so man. It would be the I, second 3-1 <laughs> blown ever. And it, and really, like, you you, lose, you get you knock Durant out of the game with three minutes to into the second quarter and you can't finish him off. You have Boogie Cousins. I, I think he How had, did the Warriors win this he, game? Boogie though? Cousins hit the cycle of terrible plays you could do in the last three minutes of a game. Double goaltending, movie screen. What was the other thing? It got beaten got on a drive? on every switch. I mean, he was like a full-fledged disaster. He did hit a three, though, didn't he? Uh, hold on. Let's, uh, let's pause it for one minute just to check social media. One minute. It's 9.37. Taking a break to talk about Simply Safe before you guys all start giving me crap. Saying I like Simply Safe because they're from Boston. That's not true. I like Simply Safe because it's a great security system, awesome protection, very easy to use. And they're from Boston. Yeah. Well, it got started after Harvard engineers' friends got burglarized. And when they went to get a new security system, it was a hassle, too complicated, too expensive, terrible contracts. So he built something better a comprehensive, easy to use protection, no contracts, fair prices, keeps your family and home safe. 24-7 for only $14.99 a month. Better yet, engineered to keep, to keep working during power outages, down Wi-Fi, or for burger smashes your keypad. Thoughtfully designed, never in your way. Protects against fires, carbon monoxide, water damage, freezing pipes. Go with the only home security I trust, SimplySafe, by going to simplysafe.com slash BS today. That is simplysafe.com slash BS for the home security I trust, SimplySafe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. So Myers said uh, the initial injury was a calf injury. This is not a calf injury. I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure if they're related or not. This is a different injury. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, it was uh, it was related. Clay and the Toronto fans cheering Katie's injury. It was bullshit. That was freaking ridiculous. I can't even put into words how mad I was about that. 
And the irony of it is it might have pushed the Warriors to another level. Yeah, Bob doesn't talk like that. No, no, uh, Clay said that. Oh, Clay said it? Yeah, I was going to say, wow, that, all right. Uh, that makes a little bit more sense that Clay yeah. said that. So my bad. You think like such a devastating injury, and maybe they uh maybe they're just shell-shocked after that. But it did seem like the crowd doing that kind of kept them in the game because the Warriors actually expanded their lead in the second quarter and like they didn't go away, they didn't roll over. One of the weirdest games, I'm trying to think like the weirdest games of this century. It's gotta be in the top seven, right? You think like the Spurs Pistons game in two thousand five, that crazy game with uh, when but when Big Shot, <laughs> Big Shot Robert Horry just went nuts. Remember that game? That was a fucking weird game. The Celtics coming back from twenty five against, against the, Lakers the Lakers in two thousand eight. Yeah. That was fucking. I remember weird. that one better than the Pistons. The Ray part. Allen shot that was super weird. Um, game seven two thousand sixteen. The last six minutes are, are like, I've never seen a basketball game like that, where it's basically LeBron hits the two threes. LeBron is the one block. Other than that, everybody is so frenetic and tight. Like nobody can make a play. Nothing, and then Kyrie hits right. the three. That's why that series is so weird. Because I still feel like, you know, you'll have certain things that happen to you in life and you go, 10 things had to go wrong and all 10 things went wrong on Golden State side, but you know, Kyrie hits that shot too. So game, you can't leave that another out. Another one, game four, 2000 late. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Lakers, Pacers. You keep better mental lists I know, this I have than a good, I do. Good, I can't remember what I did a week ago and I can remember this somehow. Game four, 2000, Pacers, Lakers, Shaq fouls out. Young Kobe takes over in overtime, wins the game, ends up, they go up, I think 3-1. But that was, there. you know, every once in a while you have these memorable Sixers, final games, something oh, weird happens. Oh, one. Where people were like, wait a minute, is this possible? Oh, they said the step yeah, over game? Yeah. And then you're like, no. Oh, that's it's not actually possible. that. Shaq's going to score 40 a game the rest of the season. Like, whenever series. somebody will say, like, oh, if game two, this, this, you never know, I'm like, no, we knew. We knew. Like, that's like last year with the J.R. Smith thing, where I go, you know, if they had, if they had done that and then you never know, we're like, no, nah, I know. I know. Golden State would have just won the other games, um, especially last year. 17, you know, a little different. I feel like everybody always screws up when we talk about these games. Like to me, every playoff game is connected. They can all be different games, but they're connected. The result of the previous game impacts the level the level of effort you have in the next game. So like when a team goes, oh, we lost 4-1, but if we'd won game two, it would have been even. And you're like, you're just giving yourself the game four win and pretending like right. the other team would have been up. They were up 3-0 and you won game four. And you're acting like if it were 2-1 going into game four, you would have been the same harder. effort, yeah. right? It's just not, it's totally unrealistic. And it's, it's just basically not what athletes do or how sports plays out. But uh, this is this is just weird on the level of- We, like, le we left out two Mavs Heats games that oh, were crazy. I, yeah, yeah, the Dwayne Wade, 25 right. free throw game. No, that's and six. That was 06. And All then right. in uh, 2011, LeBron's crazy game when he just had like eight points and didn't want to shoot. And they had J.J. Barea guarding him. And I think Jason Terry hit a big three. That was one of the weirdest games I've ever been That's through. one of the weirdest series. Yeah. And then it just, you know, there's certain series you go into it and you're like, okay, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. And then you go, ah, oh, whatever. That was game one. Like, all right, whatever this game two. And then you just go, wait a minute. Like, this is not, they're not going to answer this. They're not going to be able to figure this out. 2011 yeah. is, is we shouldn't have taken us this long to even get to that series. Yeah. Um, That's pretty we're weird. Rambling. Pretty fun to go to. So now we have, we're heading into uh golden state game six, two days rest, which I think really helps them. They don't play again until um, Thursday night. I think the two days rest really helped Clay and Steph tonight. Steph definitely had his legs. I think it's really hard for those guys 
all the screens they run off and all the physicality and the way they get chipped and bumped, all that stuff to just do it again 48 hours later is debilitating. So they get the extra day and the crowd's going to be delirious. I mean, delirious, you would think. And uh, I don't know if I'm Toronto, I'm a little bit shook. I was up six, less than three minutes left. And KD is on his way to the hospital and I blew it. Boy, you put it that way. Tough to get some sleep tonight. Now, Kawhi, we're not sure he has blood in his body. I'm not sure he's, I'm not sure Kawhi's like, wow, my spirit has been shaken. I think the other guys, though, are a question, though. I'd love to know what could affect Kawhi mentally. You know, <laughs> like Kawhi's that super villain, like when you're a kid and you're reading comic books and you're just like, how are they going to beat this guy? Like, I don't, and it just drags out over like five or six issues. You're like, I just, like oh water, oh. <laughs> like wish they they couldn't have thought of that a couple comics ago. Um, I haven't even I haven't even allowed post game five to even think about because like my first instinct is that Toronto's still going to win this series because it gets back to how many scores they can put out there and that Golden State is on the fly. Kerr is trying to figure out what the hell his rotations are going to be every single night and now the loony part of it changes things again and we didn't even talk about that yeah loony's out now we've mentioned it i mean no i mean just like the for the next two that's he's done a brutal loss watching him try to do what he was doing tonight in seething pain like grimacing like that freaking guy man what a what a stud but i love loony abaka's been really good gasol was perfect Kawhi can kind of do it whenever he wants to you have a really good Kawhi thing that you pointed out tonight too which one? With him, how he closes. It didn't work tonight, though, because I was saying, like, I had yeah, this but you theory. Called it. But I had this theory that the last three minutes of the third quarter, he does basically, like, first three quarters for them, and then the last 15 minutes of the game are mine. And in the third quarter, he just couldn't get it going. I don't think, I think he had one point in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, he finally did it. Yeah. Then he started going. But the aggressiveness in his decision-making was right what you said it was going to be. And the Warriors started smartly uh, sending two guys at him, making him get rid of the ball, which is what happened on the last play. They sent a second guy at him. He had to get rid of it. It ends up with a Lowry shot in the corner that Draymond sniffed out. It looked like if Gasol had rolled to the basket, he would have layup. He would have. But he was trying to like set this weird back screen on Draymond. Draymond was covering Gasol and Lowry at the in, same yeah, time. He was, he was in between. It was an epic two. defensive play by him. Yeah. Uh, the sending it to a Kawhi thing, though, it didn't work in game four. And it was, you know, the start of what game two was like to kind of sell out and pick him up early. But and this is what happened. It, we it worked on that play, though. <laughs> it worked on that play. But over the course of like, hey, this is the strategy we're going to employ. Like they've gotten destroyed by it. Like I think really smart players and Toronto has a bunch of really smart players where you can trap or do all the stuff you want to do. But you're right on that last play. Like they forced it out of his hands when it felt like to me, like this guy's getting anything he wants at any point. Like Toronto, after these two bad Golden State possessions, like they're going to find a way. I, I thought like they were it. winning. I like it in the last like twenty seconds of a game because one or two one or two outcomes can happen. Either he's going to try to score with two guys on him, which is great. That that was always the Kobe Bryant trick, right? For however you feel about Kobe as a player, it goes without saying that in Game Seven, two thousand ten, the entire Celtic strategy was double team him. He's going to shoot anyway. And he did for three quarters and before the, his teammates intervened. So either the guy's going to shoot with two guys on him or the ball is going to swing to somebody who is all of a sudden taking the biggest shot of his career. 
And that was the biggest shot of Lowry's career. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's to I mean, Green came in and he bothered it, but I'm fine. With, I would much rather have a wide open Lowry with Green closing on him versus Kawhi one on one doing like one of his weird Kawhi shots. How would you feel the night, like the night you missed the three to win an NBA title? That was like a John Starks 2000, uh, I'm sorry, 1994 kind of miss. It didn't seem like it had a chance. I don't know if I got tipped. I never saw a good angle on it. But did you think that was going in? Because I didn't. What were the odds Kyle Lowry is going to make that, even if it was open? I haven't been the biggest Lowry fan. So there was a moment, you know, I was in your living room and I stood up for it. And I went, that's going to go in. And I'm just going to get a million Lowry's awesome tweets <laughs> sent my way with little Canadian flags in the avatar. He was eight for 16 tonight. They got a huge, uh, Gasol ended up with 17 and eight. Although not really nothing at the end. Van Vliet had three threes and it felt like he had about 10. Only three. Other than that. Uh, How was Ibaka? Because I Danny feel like. Danny Green a, had four. I feel like Ibaka is always good. Yeah, Ibaka was five for eight, 15 and six. They only played, uh, they played seven and a half guys. Powell played 12 minutes. For the Warriors, like somehow Looney went 18 before they finally just yanked him. Livingston did nothing, 16 minutes. Cook, 12 minutes, three points. I mean, this is a real problem for them in game six. This is goes down to what House and Sal and I were talking. Yeah, we're, I don't before, know how they're going to win two more games. Before game three and game four, we're just doing the math. Like, how are they going to get to 100 points? Just roadmap it for me. Curry and Clay, let's give them 70. Can they, where are they getting the other 30? When, um, when Golden State beat Houston in game six, you know, as much as Durant going down in game five and then Curry closes out really strong in game five, and you're like, okay, well, what, you know, they, they're, now stop up, yawning. they're now up in the series. And by the way, when I check my watch, it's not because I'm bored. I'm just monitoring my heart rate. Um, <laughs> true story. <laughs> I, you, you, you know, let me know if, if this is, if this is accurate or not, but I feel like it kind of tricked us collectively into, oh yeah, Golden State can beat them without Durant because yeah. look what they just did against Houston. And Houston isn't as good as Toronto. Okay, like there's there's no argument. Toronto is way more right. sophisticated defensively. They play harder. They can do different things, which is a really cool thing. They can throw different lineups right. out there. Yeah. Right. So They're I think physical. Toronto would have smoked Houston if Houston made it out. I really do. And that result, though, made us kind of go. And then they sweep Portland. And they're down huge in three of those games of Portland. They come back and beat them every time. You know, like maybe they can do this. And then. It doesn't look great in game one. They have that great third quarter in game two. And you're like, this is even. And then game three, game four, you're like, wait a minute. Toronto's just better than them. They missed Clay for a game. And so, like, this is real. Like, if Toronto had won this thing tonight and you go, yeah, they won. It's awesome. But you get a different version of Golden State, which then some Tau turns into this, this study on what 2015 meant. And you're like, well, look, if Cleveland fans, like, we get it. If LeBron didn't play instead of Kyrie and Love, it doesn't count as much. It just doesn't. And it's the same thing happening with Durant, except their second best player is a top five guy in Curry. So as we do all these different things and like, what does it mean? I don't know. Can I let tonight's result and as much as I respect them and respect their toughness and their edge and the emotion of Curry after this thing, am I going to let that get in the way of just my basketball sense of watching it now for five games and seeing it in person for one and thinking they're going to beat that Toronto team with all of that scoring? I didn't think they had any chance in three and four, unless those guys went completely off. But I do think, I think the rest helps those two guys. And if they're going to win, it's going to be because of those two guys. And that's why they won in 2015. 
because of those two guys and their offense. So, but when people do this, done this, the league is better, and I think Toronto is better than anyone they played in 2015. But yeah. they've done it. Is my point. Right. At least we know that this recipe has worked for game by game. Now they just have to win game six. Then game seven, anything can happen. So just get through game six. And then you get another two days rest for that Sunday game seven. And now you have a whole country freaking out that they might blow this game seven. You have a bunch of guys who have never played in a game that big on the Toronto side and on the Golden State side. But um, I don't know. Anything can happen. It's now, doable. I've heard a lot of this like, well, this is the 2016-73 win team. It isn't. And people need to stop saying that, okay? Because as great as Steph and Clay are, yes, Draymond is kind of back to that level, except he can't even really keep you honest with his shooting. Iguodala is not the same guy. Livingston isn't even close to being the same Livingston guy. Livingston is like about right. to retire. Um, the whole Bogut was a number one pick. Like whenever these guys do this stuff, and, and just some of you guys are bad at this, you want to make an argument so badly that you make shitty points. You just, you're like, hey, can I make two good ones or seven shitty ones? Can I make two good ones and five <laughs> shitty ones to get to seven? Is that better than just the two good ones? Yeah. Well, guess what? As a guy who's done it for a long time, leave out the five shitty ones. When you say, oh, wait a minute, they still have a number one overall pick in Bogut. Fucking guy was kayaking three months ago, okay? <laughs> so, you know, this shit is so stupid. And then it's completely forgetting. I'm not telling you Harrison Barnes is the end-all, be-all, but he was at least somebody who you had to keep honest with for 30-something minutes a game. Because Now, granted, he didn't make a shot but in the finals. better but in 15 and the first three rounds good. of 16? The finals, he lost his confidence. Finals, he was Maybe shot. Maybe because his teammates were texting Kevin Durant during the finals. <laughs> that could have been part if he could come on the team. Uh, Festus Azili was actually when healthy was a nice big who could move around and do a bunch of oh, different things. Do you think they would take 2016 Festus Azili in these last two games? They'd max or him 15. out right now. Yeah. What if they were like, there's a new rule you can have for game six and seven, but you have to give him max contract. Lakeup would be like, done. So, well, I you don't, like Jordan Bell, is he even playable? Because no, he, did, he apparently he did isn't. 20 dumb things in tonight's game in 10 minutes. The way he lost Ibaka on that offensive rebound to Ibaka in such a crucial moment, like it doesn't. You don't have to be a great basketball player to know who the fuck your man is. Sorry right. to swear on that one, but that That's one was right. just really bad. So my point- Kurt did the immediate angry timeout with the, yeah. where they slap yeah. the hands together and then right. you never see the guy again. No, you're like, you're not allowed. <laughs> you're like, you're back. Like, Go sit take a seat. Somebody take a zip up away from him. Uh, <laughs> the Trenton Thunder did that to me when I finally left and it was very nasty. They billed me 200 bucks for this parka with a huge Thor with a lightning bolt <laughs> through it. My paycheck was $412 every two weeks, and it was half that final paycheck because they billed me for the fucking jacket. I'll never forget that. And you still owe me commission. Um, that, that has to stop. It was only like people are talking about that 16 Warriors team like it was in 85. Like, yeah. Like, and, and by the way, Yes, it's a little different when 30 million is tied up into a guy who isn't playing and now you don't have that depth. So when people rip this year's depth or say it's the 16 team, it's a 73 win team, it's all the different things, it isn't. You're wrong when you say it. Rant uh, over. Do you want Boogie, Boogie Cousins' uh, quote on the people who questioned KD's heart? Bad. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Two times. Uh, we're going to take a break. My favorite Cousins moment ever. Let's take a break to talk about SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event. Use promo code BS and you can download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Hey, Kyle, I'm going to go on SeatGeek right now. 
Let's see what finals tickets are going for. Game six. Wow. There's a lot of green. Guess what green means, Kyle? It means there's two seats, right? It means <laughs> it's a really good deal. It right. means it likes the deal. I like the grading. Kyle, you can sit courtside, row A, for $7,000. Man, I wish you would have told me before I moved right. this money around. We, we can advance. We'll, we'll advance your salary for Thank the next you. one. It's great. Yeah, just go to SeatGeek. You know, it's fun to just look at the maps. You don't really even have is. to buy a ticket sometimes. Really you just kind of see what the market is. I like going to SeatGeek. It's fun for uh, MLB especially. You can get awesome, awesome deals if you're living in the LA area for Dodger games. I would highly recommend SeatGeek for that. Again, all you have to do is go to SeatGeek and download the app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Back to the podcast. Let's just do the KD thing quickly. I, I hate speculating in the future because I feel bad for him, but I think the Knicks would give him the max, and I think Brooklyn would too, and I think the Warriors would. I think all three teams would. Yeah. He's getting the max either way. I'm, I'm more worried about him just professionally. And, and uh, you know, I got to know him a little bit, spent six nights with him basically. Tell me about him. Like, explain to us the part of him that you get to see that none of us get to see. Really loves basketball pretty simple guy in the respect that sees everything black and white approaches everything from the standpoint of how he wants, how he thinks things should be, which I think is one of the reasons he went to the podcast. Cause he was like, he knew for me is like, that's just a guy that likes to talk basketball. I like talking basketball. What if I just talked about it with him on the podcast? Not full of shit. Um, and takes stuff personally about when people who don't play basketball question, you know, a lot of the stuff we saw the last couple of weeks. Like, so what's cool somebody's heart? <laughs> what's what's somebody's heart? What are they made of? What are their intentions? Like, that's, you know, on the other hand, he kind of wants it both ways because he definitely cares what people think. I don't think there's any question. He likes to shrug it off like he doesn't. But obviously, like... You know, he had a burner account and he had, he's doing the boardroom and he's doing all these things to try to influence how people think about him and his legacy while at the same time telling us he just wants to play basketball. I think he's complicated. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you're complicated. I think I'm complicated. I think Kyle's complicated. Kyle's, Kyle's really complicated. I mean, Kyle's fucking complicated. But I think sometimes we want athletes to be perfect. And I actually think he's a pretty imperfect guy and he knows it but really gives a shit about like basketball, his teammates, what's the black and white right and wrong about things and the consistency of what he does. I The most interesting thing he ever said to me in any of those podcasts was when I asked him what the most points he ever scored was. And he was like, I, he was like, I scored like 60 something in Rucker, but I don't care. I don't care about points. I was like, well, why not? And he's like, cause I care about the consistency of it. I'd rather score 35 points for a month straight then score 70 points once. And I think that's how he thinks about his career and, and how he approaches things. He wants to be good over a long period of time. And that's why an injury like this, you know, is devastating for any great player. But I think he, him in particular, he really took a lot of pride in how healthy he'd stayed the last 12 years. He'd only really had one major injury until this year. Remember? What was that? 2013? Yeah. The playoffs, right? He got. He oh no 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 no! It isn't. No, he had the major injury with Golden with State. With OKC, last, yeah, but he had the Golden State one too, where it looked like he was going to miss the whole season. But then he came back, though. He was yeah, good. He came back. Yeah. yeah, but there was a time there where he thought, 
and from what I'd heard, actually, like that night, they th- yeah, he, he talked about be, it on the pod. He thought I was he had so glad something. he said that because some people thought I got it wrong, but I actually, I was here to pop. I was too close to it that immediately that night, people were like, "He's done." I think, uh, I think his durability has been one of the great things about his career for his size, you know, and the fact that he's a seven foot perimeter guy. I didn't feel the same way about Duncan. Like Duncan, well, especially the last like what seven eight years, he's playing on one leg, but. Um, yeah, if you had said after Duncan first started having the feet problems, they'd be like, yeah, you know what? They'll figure this out, and then they'll still be good, and then 10 years from now, he'll win another title and probably should have won a second one. You would have been like, what? Like, that's I, not going to happen. Game 7 of 2013 was on TV this weekend, and I just happened to see it, and I watched the last, like, five minutes. They almost won that game. I, I always forget, like... Yeah, because Game he 6 He missed is- a three-footer over Shane Battier that would have tied it with, like, 40 seconds left. So, anyway, I think... I think Durant's a legit basketball fan and um, I think he got a bad rap in some ways, but I also think he really underestimated how mad it would make people that he went to Golden State. I don't, I think he completely misread that and just didn't, I think he thought once he won the finals MVP, everybody would shut the fuck up and if yeah. anything, they didn't and it got worse and he seemed to be pretty confused about that. I could feel it on every podcast I did. The first pod I did with him that first year in Golden State before they the playoffs and stuff was probably the happiest he sounded on any of the pots. So I don't know. I always liked him. He's always, he was always I always judge these people by how do they treat everybody around. He's always like nice to everybody, you know. Um, I think he's moody. He's probably not the easiest guy to kind of play with day in and day out because I think he's a little up and down. Um, but I think he just gets quiet, right? Isn't that what you've heard? Yeah, I, I think he's. Um... I don't think it's ever difficult. I think it's overstated because he can be a little combative with the media in certain moments. And he had a couple of those this year. And it's when you and I were really, you know, on this whole, why are all these guys miserable? So it's not even really unique to him. And I think the simple part of him is the part that I like. Me too. Like when he got busted for the burner account thing, which is kind of insane. I love the way he described it though. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, I DM chicks. I drink too much beer sometimes. Like I have acne. Right. What's up? Like, yeah, shit bothers me that maybe shouldn't. And just, you know, we're we're very much like I don't want to, I don't know if suckers is the right word because it seems like it's nice, but like what we do as people, at least in this country, like we are ready to give you the death penalty. But then the second you give us any like human element that that feels more intimate, we're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah now I get you." And now I'm sorry, I wanted to give you the social death penalty 24 hours ago. Now I like I like you again. Well, that's happening to him right now with this torn Achilles. <laughs> it's not going to happen in Toronto. Well, no. In Toronto needs uh needs to come back a little bit more from it. I I uh you're bummed about this. I was bummed about it. It's it was a very strange game. A million things felt like it just happened tonight. And well, it did I, feel like one of those. I don't know. I mean, it got such a it weird game. It felt like one of those NBA out. changing on its axis type of nights, which rarely happens, where you have a team come so close to win the title they don't. You have a little mini dynasty that seems like it's going to be over, and suddenly it's not. You have this Durant thing that seems like he's not going to play at all. Then he tries valiantly to play. Then he's really pretty good when he's out there, and then immediately gets hurt and it's over. And you got to deal with that. 
and then what his future is, how it affects up, all these teams. They're up the whole game, and you're kind of expecting to lose. And then yeah. you're like, okay, now they're going to lose. And Kawhi is just, you know, it's not even climbing up the mountain. He's kicking people away as they're trying to take him off of the throne because it felt like since Durant hurt himself, you know, he has claimed this. This has been his playoffs. And you're like, all of these things are going to be real. This is mean he's going to stay. And then all of a sudden, they're down six again, and they miss the game winner. But on the bigger picture... Yeah, I mean, earlier in the pot, as you were talking about, trying to navigate through all the BS and, and what's real and what is it and who bought what, where, and Kawhi being asked about real estate and all these different things, this could have, this could be the night we look back next summer if we're talking, where you go, how different, like this would be a classic Grantland basketball, what if, but I don't know how to fill out the rest of it yet. Like, we'll look back and say, what if he were healthy? What if they had won the title in six games? Well, Does I'll tell it mean you one Kawhi thing. leaves? Does it mean Durant stays? You know, I'll tell you one thing that really hurts because I was pretty convinced that AD was going to go to the Knicks. And Woj reported today about uh, the Knicks Lakers were the two teams that Davis has said those are the two teams I want to be traded to. Not that he has any say, he's got a year left. If for him to go to the Knicks, that means KD would also be going there. And probably Kemba. If Katie's going to miss the whole season now, which I think is realistic, that's a year-long injury. He's out next year. It's not like he's not coming back in February. Like, he's going to be gone for the season. Then why would AD even want to get traded to the next now? He just signed there. You know? So it, it almost like crosses the Knicks off for AD, it feels like. Right? Yeah, does it I like what do the Nets know? Like he's to give not, up he's not gonna throw away another season where he's just not competing for even being a contender. So maybe the Nets are more realistic, or maybe the Celtics become more realistic. I don't know. It's it's I don't feel great talking about it, but I, I do think No, but this for is the, part of I, it. I mean, this is no, just I know, what but I do. think for the Knicks, it's really this really changed stuff for where where this summer's gone for them. There's no question. Because even if they end up with KD, he's not playing next season. Clutch can say whatever they want about Anthony Davis and, and being about the client. I don't know why they would go out of their way to send him anywhere other than the Lakers. And from what I've heard, whether it's moving Lonzo for another lottery pick this year or what, because I think sometimes teams get like really excited because it's your pick. You get to unwrap it. It's this newness to it. I think I'd You're rather in control have, of it. I'd rather have Lonzo than the sixth or seventh pick in the draft this year. Well, I would I asked that to House on Saturday. Would you rather have if you're Phoenix, would you rather have the sixth pick or Lonzo? I'd rather have Lonzo. Totally. So if you're the Lakers, you, you now you have four and six, and you can give that you can send that to the Pelicans with some other stuff, and the Pelicans can now have one, four, and six with Drew Holiday, who they can either then spin, who I think is a real asset, or keep him. I'd love Drew Holiday yeah. on, on my team. I, I mean, if they're smart, they would keep him, but they could also flip him to Philly for whatever. You need you need one, like some of these rebuilds. Uh, this is something that I, I feel really strongly about. These rebuilds, these teardowns where it's like, okay, everybody has to be on the same page. Like you need a couple adults in the room. Yeah. Like there's no, like Philadelphia with the hinky stuff, part of the problem was, and granted, they didn't want those guys playing. Like not everybody can be a 21-year-old on the team or younger and be like, okay, we have our path set here. We have everybody like on the same kind of basketball timeline. So I would hope the Pelicans, even unless they – found some awesome deal for Drew Holiday, would want to keep him around. But if you're Griffin, the Woj piece is is very ambitious in that 
you know, Griff's going, I want an all-star. I want someone else who has the potential to be an all-star. I want picks. And By the way, he's be, not getting all that. I don't no, know he's what not. he's thinking. He's not. And I, I mean, I I'm glad he was. It's just like whoever's trading all that then doesn't have a team to put around Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's, and he's in the same situation. He's in the, the best situation now. The biggest mistake people make about talking about trades is assuming that you're supposed to give an all-star up for another one. And every team, like when Paul George was being offered, the Pacers offered him to everyone. They offered him to Portland, and they said, hey, what about Lillard? No. What about McCollum? No. Hey, Golden State, will you do it for Clay? No. They offered him all over the league. Now, Golden State didn't want to mess up what they were having, and obviously that's pretty obvious. But like Portland's argument would have been, no, 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 we'll trade for Paul George in a pick and a young guy and whatever, but you're not. We're adding your third guy to our guys that are happy, that like being here. Yeah. We're not trading. So when you say to the team, we want an all-star and a potential all-star, well, what do you need? You, you want like a mellow who was an all-star at one point? Because right. we can do that. But if you're talking 29-year-old all-star and we're just switching guys around, that's just not the way these trades work. And if you're Griff, this would probably be the answer to any of this, is that... um you have to you have to think about the number one part of of every trade you know what i'm saying so like yeah four or five picks or this guy or that well, guy like, it's a dinner plate you need the, what's what's the entree you're getting meatloaf or you're getting a filet mignon you're getting ni nice giant piece of rotisserie chicken what are you getting you got to compare if Shea Gilgis Alexander is actually an option, which everyone is saying around the Clippers they aren't, that might just be playing hard to get. So is who he knows? steak or is he more like a fettuccine Alfredo? But if you're Griff, rank these guys. <laughs> Gluten-free. Rank these guys. Shea, Knox, Tatum. Ingram, Tatum. Because I think the Celtics, even though I don't know if I would do it for a clutch client with one year left on his deal in Anthony Davis... I do think the Celtics would do some version of a Tatum package, but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to go overboard. I don't think they're just going to say, Hey, here's Tatum. Here's a bunch of guys. Here's the Memphis pick. Here's all this different stuff. If you were Griff, how would you rank Tatum, Shea, Ingram, Knox? Knox last. Most would agree with you. Ingram probably second to last only because I have no idea what his health status is. Yep. Tatum ahead of Shea. And I like Shea. I really like Shea. If if you were going to give me Shea and Gallinari and the Miami pick and Harrell and two other first-round picks, you have my attention. I don't know who's going who's gonna to bid that. And I, I still think even though Boston wasn't mentioned in the Woj Smart piece, has to be in the Boston trade, which is a problem. Because that's somebody, if, you, if I have Davis, I want Smart on the team because I got Davis. I'm trying to win the title. But now I've also lost Smart. You're you going to lose I mean? Kyrie. You're losing so, Kyrie. I'm losing Smart and I'm losing Tatum and I'm replacing them with Davis. If you're the Celtics, you can't tear your team down. And then Davis goes, this wasn't, you're, everything you just said is exactly the point that, why they need to be careful. I don't think they're going to be involved. I really don't. I think they're, I think they're much more likely to do a Mike Conley, Chris Paul type thing. Let's, uh, let's take a break and then uh, we have some other stuff to hit. Hey, one more break. Wanted to remind people the new episode of the Rewatchables is coming Later, uh, Tuesday night, Dead Poets Society brought out the A-listers for this one. Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, myself, and uh, 
We really went all in on this podcast. It was a super fun one. And one more podcast, Fairway Rolling with Joe House, did a little US Open preview and a lot of bets and possibilities. I actually popped on that one to argue with uh, him and Chris Vernon. And he's also doing another one on Wednesday. If you like to gamble, if you like golf, if you love the US Open, if you care about Pebble Beach, House has been pretty much on fire for two years. So I would listen to that podcast as well and, sub and subscribe to that if you haven't already. And then also the YouTube channel we have, youtube.com slash ringer. Great videos. How many subscribers do we have, Kyle? 135,000. Yeah, more than that. Uh, it makes it makes our staff very happy if you subscribe to that channel and you get all of our awesome videos. We have some good stuff coming this summer and you can go back and watch old episodes of the, the funny videos we've done, old NBA desktops, old slow news days, episodes of this podcast. We have a million things on there. Subscribe, go to youtube.com slash ringer. You wanted me to bring up Chris Paul again. What, what, what do we miss? What do you know? What are you hearing on the, the third year option that what? It's over 40 million. It's a player option. Because I think you were the first to mention, would he be willing to get out of there? I mentioned that I thought, I thought it it was potentially in play for him to opt out of that last year if he was happy with the trade. Whether he would actually do it, gun to his head, okay, here it is. All you have to do is opt out and this trade happens, whether he would actually really do it when it's $44 million and it's also Texas, no taxes, all that stuff. I don't know. But I think it's... You know, he's made it, he's going to have made it by $300 million at that point. I got a no fucking way. Really? On that. <laughs> no fucking way. No way. No. And it's because he literally left money on the table by not taking the five-year thing from the Clippers. Like I heard. So you think he's just, this is it. His career ends this way. I think he feels like he already gave up some of the money. And I wonder on that third year, if that was, because I'm not doubting your, your information here. I'm just, my information disagrees with your information. I just was wondering if it was like a classic Houston thing where it's like, let's, let's kick the tires on this theory oh, and see if it opens the market up for him I, more. I have no idea. I'm just telling you it was out there and I was just passing it along. Now, I it might be, be totally it wrong. It might be wishful I, thinking right. from somebody's part, <laughs> either the Lakers or even Houston. I think that it's out. Houston's wishful thinking, but you think Houston's floating that one out? That to me would reek of Houston. Be like, let's just say he won't pick up the third year player option for forty million. Well, or say it the way that I just said it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, he might not. He might not want you know, you want it, you trade for him, and then once the deal's done, you ask him. Well, somebody should ask him, like a reporter. Like somebody who runs into him and be like, Hey, would you ever waive that last year for a trade and see what the reaction is? It'd be an interesting response. He left some money on the table already, so I don't I don't know if he would do it again. But did he really leave money on the table though? Yeah, because they made it up to him with the giant fucking contract they gave him. Yeah, but the contract that he could have opted out and signed in L.A. was still more money. Because I I talked, but to he got the tax free stuff in Texas, though. I really don't think it was like that much of a yeah. Difference. But then there's property taxes. I don't know. I Wait, I have a, a couple more things. I think for there's you. a lot of tax experts out there that could sharpen their pencils. Uh. Who's going to have the worst Durant take tomorrow, and what would that take be? I'll give you that two-part answer, two-part question. Ooh, do you want to go first? No. Kellerman. Kellerman, wow. Kellerman has been in my crosshairs here, but I give him respect for the Kawhi stuff because he was right about Kawhi the whole time. All of his stuff about Kawhi was great. Everybody else tried to do this, like, 
histrionic thing that, that he was absurd for suggesting how clutch Kawhi was, and Max was totally right. However, he has been anti he's just an anti Golden State guy. He's a massive anti Durant guy. He said he's not only top five, arguably not top 10. And then he started retweeting his own cuts today of saying that Durant was putting his career in jeopardy. He did that after the injury? After the injury, he retweeted. Oh, no. Yeah. So I did retweet a Baltimore Orioles record quote about something I said on the podcast. But uh, I don't know. Kellerman, Kellerman will find a way, I think, to dig at Durant because he's just had this thing about Durant. He just, all season long, he's, he's been dissing him. So we'll see what, see what he has in store. Your guess. Coming up, I'll tell you why this was actually the best thing for Kevin Durant. I don't know. I feel like somebody will say that. Coming up next on the Will Kane Show, <laughs> had Mark Stevens been in attendance, would this have happened? Coming up, I'll tell you why the Warriors missed Mark Stevens in game five. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's going to swing 100% approval rating for KD. He's a victim. It's going to tie into this whole, the players are always the ones making the sacrifice and you have assholes like Mark Stevens just making money off them and it'll just go in that direction tomorrow and keep me out of it. I'm not interested. I feel like the jump is going to really hammer that. It's hammer that thing yeah. the jump. <laughs> uh, it depends how many ex-players are on the jump. Some things that didn't happen tonight. Um, Kawhi. Could have joined LeBron and Kareem as finals MVPs on two different teams, which is amazing. The only other two people that ever did that. Finals MVPs on two separate franchises. So that didn't happen. Uh, Kawhi could have stopped the Warriors dynasty and the LeBron Heat dynasty. That didn't happen. Um, that was potentially KD's final Warriors game. This just bizarre three years. That's a documentary waiting to happen someday. And ends with him at the fucking peak apex of his powers and everybody agreeing he's the best player in the league, getting hurt, trying to come back, and then really getting hurt. And now, unless we have bad information on Twitter, and when is Twitter ever wrong, um, torn Achilles, unless maybe it's a strain, who knows? I think it's probably worse. Yeah, the reaction people- of the Warriors seems like it's worse. Yeah, but now, like, the reaction from Bob Myers was so bad. The reaction to the reaction, like, people are kind of crushing Bob Myers now on Twitter. I didn't see it. I mean, we've been taping the pod. How upset he was? From a minute after the game ended, but um, people said he was so upset that it was, like, really, really dramatic. But, I mean, this is not me judging. I'm only... Yeah, we didn't even see it. Uh, A couple more points from tonight's game. You're worried that American men are are losing superhero roles? Yeah. You don't like the direction we're going here? Nobody wants to do this. Like the, I follow the Atlantic for the unintentional comedy. Like there was an article today that said the obsession I have with Ann Taylor that I didn't even know I had. Like that was a real <laughs> article. I mean, the, the headline writers for the Atlantic tweets, it's one of my favorite things ever, you know? Yeah. Um, like the gender roles of bees and how it relates to us and why men are shit. <laughs> that may not have been an article. Um, I would have believed it. But American men are an endangered species. So we've lost Spider-Man. Right, we've like, lost Batman. Right. Bat, we, we had Batman, right? We had Val. We had Clooney. Affleck. We, we lost him with Bale there for a second. Right. Then, we then got he him came back. back. With, we got him ben, back with Ben Affleck. Bale can do whatever he wants. Might be my favorite actor ever. But... Now it's Robert Pattinson. 
Twilight, I think you'll be fine. But it's just another role. American men aren't allowed to be superheroes. And, you know, this whole thing we're doing with Spider-Man now, it's like, okay, Garfield, I kind of got it post Tobey Maguire, but this Tom kid, and now they're making Spider-Man Iron Man, so I don't even know what to do with it anymore. You've got all these Canadian dudes, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Chris Evans is American though, right? He's Massachusetts. Mass, 413. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine. He's Hugh from, Jackman. He's from- Australia. Australia. Uh, <sighs> Doctor I mean, Strange. You just listed a lot. James Bond is- Daniel Craig, he's not from here. Well, he should. That should always be. Well, we could be. We could have an American James Bond every once in a while. No, no, that's okay. They, that's theirs. That's that's Ian Fleming. Hey, we thought Batman was ours. This is fucking Robert yeah, but Pattinson's he is ours. Batman. He is ours. And if you keep running through it, uh this is a great great corner for you, Charles Xavier. English. I the highlight of this is when we cut it out as a Twitter video, and then Trump retweets it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make American superhero movies great again. He'd <laughs> be like, BS pod is okay. All caps. Good uh, thoughts by Ryan. I just clever I, yeah. exclamation point. Well, I, this is not like I, I'm not trying to be like Bill the Butcher here, but I love it. It's I if think you, you're right. If, if you go through it, Cumber Patch, right? He's got I, I wasn't Patch. a I wasn't a huge Doctor Strange guy though. Uh Wolverine, no. Captain America, yes. We've got that one. Deadpool, no. Where was Henry Cavill, Superman? Superman. Is he's, he from, he's, he's from, from England, right? Oh, he's not. Yeah, he's not. South Africa, I think. He's not from here. So we lost Superman. We lost Batman. We don't have Spider-Man. We don't have Wolverine. He's British. Both Charles Xavier's are, are two different Brits. Um, I don't know how this has happened, and I don't know why more people are. Jason Momoma? What's his name? Jason Momoa. Momoa? Awesome. Love his stuff. Yeah. Even bought one of his weird, like his first walking tall when they were trying to figure out if The Rock was going to be a star. Yeah. And they did that with Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. I love that movie. And then they gave Momoa another one too. I've watched- I own so much Momoa stock, you have no idea. And it's great. And hold on to it because I think he's terrific. However, I've watched parts of Aquaman in the last, I think, month and a half. I've been on 16, 17 flights. I've seen Aquaman over someone else's shoulders every flight. I still don't know what the hell's going Never on. <laughs> I don't think Momoa knew what was going on. Um, Am I wrong? Next subject. You Kyle, showed me. You showed wrong. me your phone. You're showing me a clip of KD something happening with his leg, whatever that weird replay was. And this thing pops up. You would reach your Twitter time limit. Yeah. It turns out. <laughs> Ryan Rossella has a Twitter time limit on himself. What is the time limit? An hour a day. An hour a day? Yeah. Kyle's two hours? Two hours right now. Sometimes I, I ignore it. And What's I your Pornhub limit? You don't have one My for that? My grandma listens, man. I can't tell you. <laughs> Your grandma does not listen. What are you Shout talking about? Shout out to Grandma Kyle. She does now. now My, she... My mother-in-law? Yeah. She doesn't listen to this podcast. I'll make a bet with you. There's no way. All right. No way. She doesn't know what Pornhub is. I, I bet you could probably guess. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna go ahead and um some little sleuthing. Uh yeah, I think I think there's it's just a moment where it goes off in your head and you go, like the other day I was reading about um George Washington's first term, three Cherry Street, by the way. We need to get that that needs to be 
A better monument needs to be built to Three Cherry Street, the first actually recognized White House, even though he moved out less than a year later because there was not enough there was not enough room to entertain. And um, I'm at the beach, and I you know it came up that the limit was up. I go, hey, you've got an hour in it today. You're gonna be watching the bees in a couple hours. Yeah, like put the phone away, focus on the outdoors, focus on you, breathe. And I got back to my book. I've watched every minute of the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. The call Final. that flipped Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, you're supposed to just keep it singular. I like to say finals. Well, I'm a right. finals guy. All right. Um, the call that flipped game five was really, really all-time egregious, but I don't get as mad as I used to 20, 30 years ago about this stuff. But it was like an all-timer. A tripping play from behind? It was a double minor. It was a tripping and like a kind of a... A knee. A leg whip yeah, type yeah. thing that it, it was like two separate penalties on the same play. And then the guy stops and just is ready mentally to start skating into the box and everybody else stops and then the play keeps going. That was awful. But I felt like it swung around and uh, and now it's where it should be. It's game seven. Rask was so good in six. I It was weird because I will freely admit when it comes to the Bruins thing, I'm completely fair weather. Me and too. as I've gotten older... You start going, this is way healthier. Like, what was wrong with me in my 20s? Yeah. Because you sit there, and if they lose, and they lose game five, I went, eh, they can still, like, hockey's different, and you can go, oh, they can still win game six. And, and like, that wasn't some shock that they went into St. Louis and won game six. They're, they're different teams, but I think they're pretty equally matched. I'm not going to get too in-depth in it because I'm going to expose myself because it's not really what I do. I, but just, I just enjoy watching playoff hockey. I don't tweet about it. We don't talk about it on the podcast. I don't yeah. have really anything to offer. I just enjoy watching hockey. I think the Bruins have had That's stretches it. where they're a little pass happy and you're like, take some shots. And then I think that they they were more aggressive that way. The four check for the Blues has been really- I didn't, I'll tell you what I didn't like. Tail end of uh, game game six, Blues getting intentionally chippy at the end. Real chippy. Bring it to a five on three because they're just taking liberties left and right. Yeah. You could play that tape for the boys. I, I would have brought out the power play line for the last like 15 seconds, try to run it up on the five on three. The tough hey, you got to be in like fuck you mode at that point. By the way, Olchek said it. Oh, by the way, have you been paying attention? I just dropped two by the ways on you. Pierre, like, oh, that's Jamie Langenbrunner territory. <laughs> he came out of, he came out of Sherbrooke, didn't he, Eddie? That's Jamie Langenbrunner territory. He's a great kid, great family, ran a general store out by the lake. His Wikipedia page, I can't get past it. Did you go back and study? It I all? did. I, it's it's really epic. Um, I think one of the funniest things you watch about, him in practice, Eddie. They're practicing three on threes all the time. Hockey has they have their hardcore two million that are going to watch the the final, right? As you say, or the finals, as I say. But they always try to mainstream it in all these really awkward ways where. They had like John Hamm had a press conference before game three <laughs> that he was at the game and it was blues fan. And <laughs> there was a clip and there's 40 reporters. They're like, John, how long have you been a blues fan? And he's just like giving an actual, like a real press conference, like what Bob Byers just did. There's that. Then like, they hey, have to bring him in the booth. Where'd you pick up the Goo Goo doll scarf? <laughs> <laughs> they bring him in the booth, which is fine. But then yesterday they brought in Pam from the office and it's and she's got fucking Mike Milbury interviewing her. It's like, what are the odds this is going to go well? Like one out of a million? How is this going to be a good segment? Bring in like, you know, these guys like Milbury, Ronick, they're all like, they're not normal people to interact with. Like for Pam from the office. You Jenna almost Fisher? have to bring like a host. 
I'm not the biggest Pam guy. It's well documented. Yeah, you you when you binge watch when you binge watch The Office, you realize she's a horrible human being. Did you ever think? Did you ever think at she's any the point best actress on the show? I think though. I know you're anti Pam, but did you ever think at any point? It might swing me the might the right Mike Milbury interview might swing me with her. Just he might he might get some he might get his fork and really dig some nuggets out of this. Make me think about a couple of things I hadn't really thought of. Honestly, before. his interview with her was about as smooth as my interview with Dwight when I did get up. Right. Like he was he was promoting the Meg and we were the B team. I don't even know if we were the B team on Get Up that day, because none of the yeah. regulars were there. And it was like, hey Rasil, you want to work a ton in August? I was like, Yeah awesome and uh you know it was like tell us about the meg like oh it's this movie and the shark's enormous and we're on this boat and it's the kids love it they're like oh you love the seahawks yeah 12th man seahawks yeah i'm, I'm just, a huge seahawks fan I'm huge sit, i'm sitting there and i'm like hardest transition ever i go hey dude okay cool thanks uh pam's the worst right <laughs> and i just started listing off all these things and then milbury did it to jenna fisher where he's like hey you know how would I mean, it's just sound like Pierre because all those guys sound the same. No offense. Not anti-Canada. Just Toronto right now. Um, and he was like, how would how would Pam handle the party planning commission? And everybody freaked. They're like, Angela was head of it. But there was another committee to plan parties that Karen and Pam, when Pam was pretending that she liked Karen and not trying to steal her boyfriend the whole time. Um, You're really talking Kyle's language right now. I know. But I did have a good point. Do you think do you think Milbury and Jen Fisher will ever talk again under any social circumstance? Or will that be the one time in our lives? I would love if he followed her immediately on social media. And then it was like, hey, we're friends now. Cause I did that once with somebody famous after we were at an event together. <laughs> hey. I uh I played It's so funny that Milbury has rebounded from 40 years ago climbing into the stands at MSG. Yeah, for whatever reason. It was, like, was hockey's it, our test melee. Was it Cedric Maxwell, one of the stand and choked a guy in Philly? Yeah, that guy deserved it, though. No, I'm not saying he didn't, but there's this weird thing where pre-something, it's always hilarious. Yeah, and then it's pre-our test melee. After that date, it's like a social commentary on what's wrong with the world. Like, Milbury killed somebody with a shoe, and we think it's the greatest thing ever, and then it's just, I don't know. And like That Cedric happened when I was 9 or 10, and when I loved the Bruins... I might have actually like they were way up there for me. That was so they were just fighting every game. I just fucking love those Bruins teams. Them going to the stands was like one of the most important moments of my entire childhood. I mean, it was fucking insane. They went into the stands. Not They'd just like it. two of them. They had it, man. It was a fucking brawl in the stands. I feel like that would be the most important thing that's happened in social media for like a oh my God, can you believe this happened moment? It was like what, 15 of them were in there? I don't know the count, but it was like, it was on. And plus like O'Reilly went in there and O'Reilly was like, he, he like he would have fought everybody. Right. And he would have won. That was like when, <laughs> would just been a that was like when belt. Steven Jackson went in the stands for <laughs> yeah. the Artespa. It's like, oh no, he's in there. Oh no. <laughs> oh, this might be a riot. The thing oh, for man. the Bruins though, that's, it's tough, even though, you know, I'm kind of known from being from the area, even though I'm not anything like a native in Boston, just lived there for a while. But, you know, since I moved him here and, you know, befriending so many of the LA Kings. Yeah. That, like those Greeny are kind of- and Stoli. And- those are kind of my guys. Yeah. Cliffy and, you know, they're family guys like me. And, you know, we don't talk shop. We don't talk about our careers. We don't talk about, 
you know, the standings. We just, we like to get together and, you know, we just, just, just as famous guys do, we have like just a common ground with each other. And I don't like to show how into the bees I am because I'm starting to feel like the Kings are, it's good. I have more personal relationships with those guys and they're kind of my team now. I'm getting texts from Knicks fans in my life saying that they feel like they this was like one of the biggest Knicks losses of the last 20 years tonight. We didn't do enough KD on that. thing. I I kind of forgot about the the devastating Knicks part of this with KD. Like they had already like mentally he was on the team next year. Now he's not playing next year. It's kind of a bummer. Think about that. You went from a few weeks ago you thought it was going to be Zion, Kyrie, and Durant. And now it's R.J. Barrett and Achilles, <laughs> perhaps, with Durant. Yeah. And tough. Kyrie's going to go to Brooklyn. But honestly, the Kyrie thing, um, you know, whatever. We've been over that. You and I are not allowed to talk Kyrie anymore, at least for another week. I have a gym corner for you quickly. Jared wants to know, what's up with the dudes that douse themselves with cologne before going to the gym? It's one of the only places where it's pretty understandable to smell like sweat. It weirds me out. Mm. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> you don't have a problem with the clone pre-workout? Yeah, I mean, you know, your pheromones crank a little differently. You know, you get the adrenaline going. You may discover a completely new combination of scents that you're not even aware of okay. just in that mode. And Kyle's down. Kyle will wear cologne all the time. Next, you know, yeah, he's wearing it right now. Uh, Marcus in Edmonton wants to know, do you take calls while you work out? Is it okay to take personal calls at the gym? I recently heard a man screaming into his cell, clearly in an argument with a significant other. Yesterday, I noticed a guy FaceTiming his girlfriend so she could watch him do squats. Should there be cell phone rules? And if so, what are they? There are, there are cell phone rules almost in every gym. It's just a matter of how they're enforced. I will, if it's an NBA front office agent thing, I take the call. You take it. I take it. It screws in my workout, but it's, the call is too important. I mean, unless it's a guy who I'm really, really cool with, who I know I can be like, hey, I'm working out. Can I call you later tonight or something like that? But then I'll take it, but I leave. Like, I don't stand. Like, there was a guy the other day by the bench who took it and sat on the bench and did the phone call. I'll go find the Pilates studio. I'll go into some weird yoga room. And if I really have to, I'll go back out through the lobby in the front of the building and go on the phone. Um, but I, I don't, I wouldn't do it like while I was on the treadmill or something like that. I don't do that. Um, I think that's it. I think we're good. Now, sadly, we're not going to have a podcast on Thursday night because my daughter is graduating eighth grade from this school she's been at for this entire decade, yeah, and it's it? actually a she big stay back. Now she she uh <laughs> she's graduating on time, and uh and of course it's a nighttime graduation at seven p.m. Pacific time which will be at the tail end of the second quarter. We talk about karma. We talked about it earlier. Um, one thing I've learned in life is don't mess with the karma with family. I have to be at the graduation. It's just the way it's going to be. And uh, and I, I don't know how I'm going to see the game. It's it's a rough one. I, I have two choices. I can either watch it on my phone, look down, do that whole thing, or... Done it at a wedding. Or do the turn the phone off. Go Try to the graduation, to avoid, it. avoid it completely. I think you can do it. Old school the problem is I'm going to be at a graduation with a lot of people who either know me or know what I do. And the odds of somebody being like, can you believe the Raptors pulled that out tonight? Or can you believe the Warriors won that? Or can you believe Steph had 60? Like whatever. 
Somebody's going to say something to me at some point. Do you think maybe we could make you a shirt and just iron on some letters that say, don't tell me about the game? Well, the one thing I was thinking was I was going to wear like the big headphones like Warren and there's something about Mary where I just wouldn't be able to hear anything. I'd just be like this the whole time and just I drown out everything. And that's it. But I take them off during the graduation and put them back on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like boy in the plastic bubble. Don't tell me what happened. So I don't know what I'm going to do, but we, uh, we probably... So if there's a Sunday night that's Father's Day, I'm going to be with my dad. You're going to be with your dad. So I don't know how we're going to do that. So we're Is your dad going to be here? My dad's going to be here. We're Why don't we have a four-way pod just dad it out? Dad, four-way dad? Do we have enough mics? Uh, we can make it happen. Well, I, think, listen, I think your dad and my dad would actually get along pretty well. They, your dad reminds me of my dad sometimes. <laughs> I had my dad on the ESPN pod once. It was awesome. I remember that. We right at the tail end. That did. was good. Well, we had him on for my last show, but he and I did like a, a full 30 minutes, 40 minutes on Muhammad Ali. And it was really, I mean, look, my dad's my hero. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I think you and I are similar in that way that like I have, I mean, my guy's the guy. Uh, he's, he's always, he's always been the toughest dude and you know, whatever. I mean, for a bunch of different reasons, but yeah, he's coming out. He's coming out here to visit me. I'm up for, you know, whatever the regular schedule is, I'm up. I thought we should get a bill impersonator for game six. And I just sit <laughs> just here. Just you and somebody else? Yeah. In the, in the back house? Does it, can anyone do a good Sal Simmons good impersonation? Sal, Sal, Sal is a it? pretty good one. Sal does a good one. Do you want me to come here and maybe whip together some pasta salad for graduation party and then do the pod by myself? Well, one one thing we could do is we could do a, we could do a Friday one potentially, but we'll figure it out. Let's Wait, do a Friday one. Something will happen. And then. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. If. Despite the euphoric, weird malaise, like the positives, the highs and lows from all this stuff, I still can't believe what happened in game five. But I don't know if we're going to be sitting there going, all right, let's get ready for game seven. If we are, great. And if we do, I will delay because I'm going back to Connecticut to do the NBA draft uh, for ESPN. I'm not going to be on the draft, obviously. I'll be doing some sports center stuff with Van Pelt. But let's make it work. Like, whatever we we'll can do. do. We'll do something. So, uh, by the way, more. we forgot to, I forgot to ask you, you had a lot of people mentioning the 2002 thing to you. So when that you were out of game up. four. Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't really even go, I mean, you, I'm a long-winded guy. I get it. You did two and a half minutes on 2002. I could do two and a half hours on 2002 <laughs> and it would be entertaining. And there's been some calls for you to host a new podcast called The Ringer for the ringer called worst year ever. Yeah. And it's just people call in and they yeah. just tell you about their worst year ever. And then you commiserate with them produced by nephew Kyle. That's one of those things where like, that's a non-content person idea where like a suit may go, Hey, that was really good. Let's do more of that. Let's get people on. <laughs> and then the first time it's actually a really horrible year because of health reasons or a death in the family. That's not a good podcast. It's a terrible podcast. Well, it's so, also when you have a guest on and their worst year ever was like, really really awful that's my point yeah and yeah. it's like it goes nine nine times worse than you'd ever want to hear anybody talk about their worst year ever my worst year ever is funny because i didn't like i rebounded from it yeah and well people were inspired by it the greatest thing was that i didn't get married at 26 and some people have asked about it and be like oh you've shown her i didn't deserve her okay that girl was a freaking saint she was awesome she was way more mature. She knew exactly what she wanted. And she was totally happy with me, even when I was a loser. And I was such a loser that I wasn't happy with me. So I went out on this quest to become not a loser. And she could have handled a couple things at the end differently, I'll admit. But I put all the wheels in motion for her to be like, screw this guy. So I deserved 
everything I got, or let's say 99% of what I got. And then she became Pam from the office. Yeah. I've, I've never really okay. talked to her actually since then that, about that. Like, all right, not getting married, done. Like, I'm the best guy ever to break up with. Because when we're done, it's over. Like, I just go, I'm not. Like, I'm not going to. There's no Facebook friend request coming from you 10 years later. Right, right. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like ask you how you feel every week after that. So that's just a heads up to whoever's listening. But uh, <laughs> I, the 2002 thing, it, 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 there's a much longer version I could, I could, you know, but I've had people coming up to me every day now, strangers going, Hey man, 2011 over here. Terrible. <laughs> people are just unsolicited coming up, telling me the worst year they've ever had. People, I was on the floor for game four, different people in media coming up. A lot of people listen to this podcast, Bill. Seems like it. We're doing all right. It's been uh, going well. Ryan Rousseau, pleasure as always. What a bizarre night. I'm always going to remember it. I honestly, one of, one of the five or six craziest basketball nights of all time in a really crazy game that I'll rewatch later tonight and try to <laughs> try to remember the 17 things we probably forgot as we talked about it. But uh Heart of a champion, the Warriors. Really sad day for Kevin Durant and uh, and an epic, so close moment for the Toronto Raptors. So now we'll see what happens in game six. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. All right, thanks to the zone. Don't forget to go to DAZN.com to sign up. Great baseball show, plus some good boxing coming up later uh, later this summer and the rest of the year. Thanks to JCPenney, raise your game with MSX by Michael Strahan, athletic-inspired functional pieces Designed for guys who are always on the go. Available exclusively at JCPenney. From working out, playing golf, or just relaxing. MSX by Michael Strahan has you covered. MSX includes MSX basics. Pants, shorts, shirts, sweatshirts, outerwear, big and tall. And boys sizes too. MSX by Michael Strahan. Available exclusively at JCPenney. Visit a store near you or go to jcp.com. And don't forget, new rewatchables coming tomorrow night. Dead Poets Society. Oh, yeah. We, br we brought... The A-listers for this one. Mally Rubin, Chris Ryan. Um, very, very animated podcast. That drops uh, late tomorrow night. Ringer NBA show has you all covered. And then Fairway Rolling with Joe House. I actually made a, I popped on that one today to talk about the U.S. Open with him and Chris Vernon. But if you want to get some golf tips, I would highly recommend that one as well. We'll be back later in the week with one more podcast. Until then. 